Welcome to Selection Sunday on 750 The Game, your home of March Madness from Westwood One. Presented by Chinook Winds Casino Resort in Lincoln City, where sports wagering is better at the beach. Now, here's your host, Judah Newby. It's been two years since the traditional format of the NCAA tournament, but after two years off, we get it back in its conventional form, including games here in the city of Portland. Welcome into the Selection Sunday special on 750 The Game. I'm Judah Newby, Adam Sussman, Peter Sampson here as well. We got you for the next three hours. Doesn't that music just do something to you? Doesn't it do it for you? Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. We did this show last year, and it was so fun. We had Oregon in the tournament. We had Oregon State in the tournament, but all those games were being played in the city of Indianapolis. It just had a little bit of a different feel. Of course, it ended up being one of the more memorable tournaments in our region's history. This year, it's a little bit different, but we still have the tie with a bunch of games being played at Moda Center here in Portland. The full bracket will be revealed coming up in about 50 minutes and we'll bring it to you live, locally, right here on the game. That's not happening anywhere else in this market, so you are welcome. Adam Sussman here as well, as is Peter Sampson. And, uh, fellas, it's good to be back. And March Madness, we got it last year after not having it, obviously, in the uh, pandemic of 2020. But all the games being in Indianapolis now, Adam, it's more of a conventional, traditional feel and format, and it, it feels like uh, all is right with the college basketball world. It really does, and it's been a great conference championship weekend. Big 10 going on right now. The Americans over on Kufa, if you want to finish that game. It's been extremely entertaining. Iowa-Indiana was one of my favorite games in the oh, tournament crazy. yesterday. Pac-12, I don't know if you watched Arizona-UCLA last night. On Fox, that felt good. Arizona looked really strong. We'll talk about them more during this three-hour great show, but you're right, Judah. Going to be full crowds again. Indianapolis, while there was some memorable moments, there wasn't 30,000, 50,000 in the football stadium to watch like there will be this year. Yeah, yeah. And, Peter, I know you've got the NBA expertise, but this is where we start to get a feel for uh, for some future NBA stars comes in, comes in March Madness. Yeah, there's always someone that's going to surprise you every year. You look at John Morant basically running the Western Conference right now. Yeah. Never forget that tournament run he had at Murray State a couple years ago. That was his coming out party. It's the best time of the year you get to watch the future stars become stars. Two conference championship games that are still in progress coming down to the wire in the Big Ten. Iowa leading Purdue 61-55. You alluded to it, Adam, what a finish Iowa had on the uh, the shot from 45-year-old Jordan Bohannon to uh, make it off. He's been in college for a, for a decade, it feels like. He had the game winner to beat Indiana last night, and Iowa trying to win the auto bid out of the Big Ten. They'd be going as not large anyway, but this would be good for them. And the American that you've been hearing here here on 750 the game you can catch it in progress now as it comes down the stretch on freedom 970 a.m kelvin sampson's houston cougars leading memphis 51 44 houston of course went to the final four a season ago after defeating oregon state in the elite eight so the full bracket will be unveiled here coming up at the top of the three o'clock hour we will bring you each announcement as it happens, the full field of 68, the bubble teams that make it, the bubble teams that did not, and the teams that are coming to Portland, including, in all likelihood, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, because that's going to be a ticket that you want to get if you're a college basketball fan. You know, we don't get to have regionals at Moda Center as often as I personally would like. But we get it this year, and the appetite's going to be there. The enthusiasm will be there. There will be a lot of Gonzaga fans in all likelihood, and 
we'll see the other teams that come to the Portland pod. Where will Arizona end up? Where will UCLA end up? That was a fun game to watch last night. And I was also interested to see how it felt on the TV broadcast on Fox because part of me was, Fox, really? Calling a big college basketball game? But then part of me as well is saying, you know what, maybe this is the niche TV partner, and maybe niche is not the right word, but a secondary TV partner that the Pac-12 can capitalize with. And they had Joe Davis on the call, and he did a great job. It felt really good on network TV, and it was a good game all the way down to the wire in Arizona. Uh, really looked good. They looked resilient because UCLA was the better team. They had the lead at halftime, and then Arizona led by one Benedict Matherin. That's a tough team to stop. Yeah, Matherin's so good. I think Peter may touch on him a little bit. If the Trailblazers don't have the ping-pong balls bounce their way and they get to 7 or 8, he may be somebody the Trailblazers look at in the future. But Arizona lost UCLA this year, so you like to see that resiliency beat the Bruins in L.A. Crowd was great. There was a lot of Arizona contingency in Las Vegas. Arizona, look, only three losses on the entire season, three good losses. They're a damn good team that can pass better than anybody else in the country. Absolutely. And if you want to enter our bracket challenge, you can do so at 750thegame.com. Enter for a chance to uh, get a perfect bracket, win a mil. Nothing, nothing to it but to do it right there. <laughs> chance to win a million if you get a perfect bracket, which I don't know if a perfect bracket has ever been done, but uh, it's going to happen this year, and it's going to be one of our contest entries, I believe, at 750thegame.com. It'll be a lot of fun. Also, if you are driving around this week listening for the games, you may have gotten wind of this already, but it's one of my favorite parts of the tournament that we have on the game. It's all streaming for free at 750thegame.com. And if you want to listen to 750 The Game on Odyssey, iHeart, TuneIn, Alexa, you just tell your uh, your smart speaker or whatever to say, hey, play 750 The Game, and you can get the March Madness coverage live in real time. It didn't used to always be that way, but we have a great relationship with Westwood One, of course, and we're able to make that happen. So if you can't be near a TV during all the action of the first four or the first round, the second round, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Final Four, it doesn't matter. Fire up your phone and you can get it via 750 the game. That's part of the one of the best parts of the tournament. One of the uh the way I connect personally to the tournament, at least growing up, certainly watching it. But there are times where you can't watch it. You're not near a screen. Or at the time, it was only on CBS and not on all these other cable platforms. So listening to it, for me, was actually a big deal. I remember very fondly walking around town with a... uh, People used to say transistor radio. But for me as a kid, it wasn't really that. It was my... CD portable discman that also had a radio function <laughs> and I would listen to the radio function on that discman uh, and listen to the Westwood one March Madness coverage that the game had even back then I remember very fondly and I'll have to look up this game but it was when Robin Lopez and Brooke Lopez were at Stanford and they had a buzzer beater against somebody I'm trying to remember who it was but I remember I was walking around downtown Newburgh Oregon listening to that game on my discman with the uh, with the radio function so there's something sacred and special about March Madness on the radio and if you're not in your car or if you're not near a TV but you want the audio feed on your phone you're welcome we're bringing that to you this year on all of our mobile streaming platforms, including 750thegame.com. All right, we'll go away. We'll come back. We'll talk about uh, some of the narratives going into this year's tournament, some teams that are on bubble watch, some teams that have already claimed auto bids, and what happened to Oregon and Oregon State this year. Dip into a little bit of all of that and bring you every bracket pick starting at 3 o'clock here locally. This is 750 The Game Selection Show Special presented by uh, Chinook Winds uh, Casino Resort.
here on 750 The Game, and uh, we'll try to uh, hit this commercial break. But, of course, you know, we're, it's all fluid at this point, but uh, we should be good. All right, we'll come back in three minutes here on The Game. We're your home for the madness. Gonzaga, the flipper still fits. This is Selection Sunday on 750 The Game, your exclusive home of the NCAA tournament from Westwood One. Hey, welcome back. Selection Sunday special on the game. Judah Newby, Adam Sussman, Peter Sampson rolling along with you. 40 minutes out from every single team being revealed in the NCAA tournament, including those coming to the city of Portland. We're going to bring you each and every one of those selections. We'll fill out our brackets together. We'll take your calls. We'll take your tweets at 750 game at Judah Newby and uh, who you like to go to the Final Four, who you like to win the championship this year. And will one of the teams at the end be a team from the West Coast? Will it be in Arizona? Will it be a UCLA? And uh, will it be, of course, a Gonzaga? Last year we had Gonzaga, UCLA, both of them make the Final Four. And Oregon State, somehow, Lord only knows, come four minutes away from doing so themselves. Four minutes from a Final Four, then win three games the next year. It's just one of those things I'm not sure I'll ever be able to fully understand. But uh, a couple of conference tournament championships coming down to the wire as we speak right now include Iowa-Purdue. That is now a one-point game with three minutes to go. And Houston leads Memphis 60-52. Kelvin Sampson against Penny Hardaway there. And you can catch that finish on Freedom 970 if you so desire. Tennessee defeated Buzz Williams in Texas A&M 65-50 to win the SEC tournament title. I believe that's the first time uh, Tennessee's won the SEC tournament since like the 70s. Like it's been a long time and leave it to Rick Barnes to get it done. Adam, I know you've been high on Tennessee lately. I have just in the last 21 days. Tennessee is 7-0 against the SEC. Three ranked wins. Obviously you said SEC champions. They're 15-0 against quad 2-4 through four teams. So the only losses are good losses. Third ranked defense in Ken Palm with the fifth bank straight the schedule in the nation. They're getting hot at the right time. They had a very disappointing 2021 March Madness. They lost by 14 in the first round to none other than Oregon State mm-hmm. in the 5-12 matchup, which historically is always upset. I'll give you some more stats on that later. <laughs> Can't wait. But Tennessee, they're playing hot basketball at the right time. They looked really strong against A&M. They're my favorite team in the country right now. Growing up, one of my second favorite teams to watch was always Texas, both in college football and college basketball. Names like Royale Ivy, names like DJ Augustine, of course, names like Kevin Durant, who was a one and done. And you might need to fact check me on this, but I was a big KD fan his freshman year. And uh, I think Texas went as a four seed and they won a game, but then they lost to Taj Gibson in five seed USC that year. <laughs> like the two, th- well, he was taken That's in the SoCal legend Taj Gibson. That's for right. <laughs> That's right. Legend Taj Gibson. Is he still even in the league? Barely. By the way, are you guys playing the Pirtle game? You're telling me about it. And I play it every day, yeah. I'm telling you, man. I need to buff up on who is actually playing in the NBA because I would have guessed Taj Gibson. Unless he's – is he still playing? Maybe he's a Pirtle answer. I Taj no Gibson? Idea. Yeah. I think he is. Yeah, yeah, he's New still York. He's with the Knicks. Yeah. He is with the Knicks? Okay, yeah. Well, I've, I've just been guessing Mikhail Bridges every day and hoping that, uh, <laughs> that it actually hits or Josh Hart, but I haven't gotten that one right yet. Um, but yeah, just and Rick Barnes coached those Texas teams back in the day, and then Rick Barnes goes to Tennessee, 
Obviously, it's a it's a program that's well established, and people are really bullish on it. But it seems to me like he's taken some time to really get his traction there with the Vols. Last year was just really disappointing. I don't know how you can lose a five twelve to Oregon State at the time. I picked Tennessee to win, uh, so I'm a little bit bitter about that. But this year feels like a different team. It feels like a better, more talented Tennessee team that actually has the uh, capability to go deep in the tournament. But Adam, you could probably say that about a handful of teams out of the SEC this year, and. 15 or 16 teams have a chance to win it all. Yeah, that's what's going to be so exciting about this year's March Madness. In terms of conference breakdown, I think the SEC and the Big East are kind of the 2-3. Big Ten's far and away number one. A big storyline for me this year is how many bids is the Big Ten going to get? We're going to find out in about an hour. The record for bids that one conference has gotten was 11. I don't think the Big Ten's going to touch that number, but I think they could reach nine. Eleven? Didn't that happen not that long ago? I want to say it was the ACC or something the like that. The 2011 Big East had Pittsburgh, Notre Dame, Syracuse, UConn, Louisville, West Virginia, Cincinnati, Georgetown, St. John's, Villanova, and Marquette. 2011 Big East? And UConn was, ev- was the eventual national champion. That was Kemba. Yes. And that was Kemba going crazy in the Big East tournament and then going crazy in, in uh, March Madness. Exactly. Last time we had nine was 2018. You might be thinking about that was the ACC when right. that was the year. Uh, so Virginia was a one, Duke was a two, et cetera, et cetera. That's a really good uh, pivot point to what happened to Oregon and Oregon State this year. I think Oregon State, look, I don't, I'm not sure it's ever going to be able to resolve in my head rationally the fact that you can go from the highs of an Elite Eight run as a 12 seed to the lows of three overall wins, they're almost not worth the time of day <laughs> anymore for that very fact. Oregon, on the other hand, Adam, we've been talking about it on John Canzano's BFT this week, but you know they lose ultimately in the uh, quarterfinals to Colorado. They got the first-round win over Oregon State. Technically, I guess they're a quote-unquote bubble team. I don't expect Oregon in the field of 68 this year. They're in all likelihood going to go to the NIT, which, by the way, we'll figure that out later this afternoon as well. We'll figure out where Oregon's going in the NIT. We'll figure out where the Oregon women are going and the Oregon State women as well if they are fortunate enough to go to the NCAA tournament. So we'll bring you the details on all of those different storylines as well. But for Dana Altman's Oregon Ducks, there have been comparisons made between this team and others that have missed the tournament, but he's been able to turn that ship around a little bit. I don't know. I still I still believe in Dana Allman, of course. How can you not? The track record is too long. But one of the concerns that I have about this team moving forward is, you know, if you look at 2017, Final Four, 2018, missed the tournament. 2019, you get back into the tournament as, I believe, a 12 seed. And you win your 12-5 game. And you, uh, you go to the Sweet 16 that year to take on Virginia, who you just mentioned. They almost beat Virginia. That Very was close. A dogfight, like 55-49 or something like that. Like, very, very low scoring. But Peyton Pritchard was on that team. And I don't know if there is a Peyton Pritchard that is on the doorstep of Oregon's roster moving into next year and moving forward. Of course, it's easy to say that because Peyton Pritchard's kind of one of kind. But you need a leader like that. You need a player like that to help turn that ship around and get you out of missing an NCAA tournament and get you back into one. So if you're a top guard, let's say you're starting at a power five, well, pretty much power six for college basketball, Oregon's going to be in the market for you because we don't know who their guard's going to be next year. Will Richardson, probably out the door. Davion Hardman, probably out the door. He transferred from Oklahoma last year. Jacob Young, we don't know what his future holds. He's on his third school right now. I think he's out of eligibility anyway. And those were Oregon's three guards. I've been saying it all week. They lost Jacob. uh, They lost Jalen Terry to DePaul. They lost Aaron Estrada to Hofstra, one conference player of the year. 
So Oregon was just without depth this whole year. And their front line, you could never really depend on Nafali Dante and, uh, and Kepnon just to stay fit. Mm-hmm. We t- we heard Dan Altman talk about it after John Canzano's question, after the loss to Colorado. He said, they've been here for two and a half, three and a half years in the terms of Dante. We've never been able to work out with him in the offseason because they're always injured. Oregon, there was a point this year where they beat USC and they beat UCLA on the road in the same weekend. He's right. like, oh, Dan Altman's turning it on as there he always does. That's right. And it didn't happen. It just was a cold splash of water in the face when they lost by double digits to Washington and lost by double digits to Washington State the last yeah. game of the season. They eventually they lost the four because of that weekend, and they lost to Colorado, who had a nice little run but eventually lost to Arizona. This was Dana Altman after the loss to the Buffaloes. You know, we, we won 19 games, and we should have won more. I mean, I, I can't be any more blunt about that. We, we were talented enough. We were experienced enough. Uh, we had some nagging injuries in the summer and that, but no and nagging injuries through the year, but nothing that should have taken away from what we should have accomplished. And uh, for that, I apologize to these guys because, you know, we, we got to be better. You know, we got to be better as a staff. Players got to be better. Um, you know, we've tried to set a standard uh, at Oregon that, um, you know, that we try to meet. And um, I just felt like uh, for the first time in a long time, you know, we didn't meet that standard. And it's to the Pac-12's detriment. Mm-hmm. Looks like only three teams from this conference, in all likelihood, unless we see a shocker, are going to the big dance out of the Pac-12 conference. And you're probably going to get the same number, if not more, out of the Mountain West and the uh, the West Coast Conference with Gonzaga and uh, St. Mary's and San Francisco. And, uh, you know, in the Mountain West, we saw Boise State, you know, edge out San Diego State in the title game last night. Both of those teams are going to be going. Colorado State's in the mix. I mean, in a way, it's good because, hey, there's a lot of teams from the uh, western part, you know, west of the Rockies that'll be dancing, and that's always good. But when it's the same number from the Pac-12 as from the, the other non-Power 5 conferences, I don't care if Gonzaga's in it or not. Like, that's not necessarily a great look, and Oregon kind of let the conference down from that regard. Really good chance that you get Boise State in for the Mountain West as well. That would round out the four, but... Oh, they, they have the AQ. Exa- oh, yeah, that's yeah. a great point. But, look, the Pac-12, it was kind of self-inflicted because they had a 66 win percentage in non-conference. And that's just fair or not. That's how you compare your conference to the rest of the country. A 66% win percentage in non-conference games. And that's going to kill you every single year. And it's a little bit unfair because those are the first 10 to 12 to 14 games of the season. And your team may not be there. Maybe the Pac-12 deserve the benefit of the doubt after getting four teams in the Elite Eight last year. Yeah, But overall, we saw teams like Oregon, Massively disappoint. Oregon State, whole different stratosphere from last year. <laughs> I will say this about the Beavers. Going into the Pac-12 tournament, they were 10-10 and in conference play. It's not like they were this Kansas, this Duke team. Well, last year, you mean. Yes, that yeah. was incredible the entire season and then turned it out at the end. They were average the entire season and then got hot at the right time, like you see so many teams do during March Madness. But the Pac-12, do you think there is a fourth team that's deserving? Because I know Colorado was good, but... I think three is probably the fair number. It is the fair number. Yeah, I don't think I can make a case for Colorado as an at-large. Um, you know, And I made the joke earlier in the week on the BFT that Virginia Tech was getting more runway than Colorado when you were discussing like at-large uh, potential. 
And lo and behold, the Hokies just up and win the ACC tournament. Like, where did that come from? That game against Duke wasn't even close. Virginia Tech looked very, very good. Duke, we'll talk about them when they get selected. We'll see if they're placed at Rizaruma a two through a four. And they were the regular season ACC champs, but they ended the season very poorly. They had that blowout loss on Coach K night to UNC, and then they weren't close in the ACC championship against Virginia Tech, and they entertained Miami and Syracuse way too long in the tournament as well. Coach K, man, that was so fun after the loss to Carolina. This isn't part of the program. This is impromptu by me. I'm sorry about this afternoon. That, no, please, no, please, everyone be quiet. Let me just say, it's unacceptable. Today was unacceptable, but the season has been very acceptable. And, uh, And I'll tell you, the season isn't over. This season is not over. Well, it did not include an ACC tournament championship as Duke loses in the final two. Vatek, Hokies are going dancing. That bursts a bubble of some at-large team, and we'll probably find out who that is here in a little under half hour's time. When we come back, we'll take a look at the AQ bids that have already been punched. Also, some of the at-larges that are still up for grabs. Talk about some of those teams on the bubble. And look ahead to the bracket reveal coming up at the top of the hour. This is 750 The Game's Selection Sunday Special. It's presented by Chinook Winds Casino Resort in Lincoln City, where sports wagering is just better at the beach. I'm Judah Newby with Adam Sussman and Peter Sampson. Back in a few here on The Game. Back to Selection Sunday, presented by Chinook Winds Casino Resort in Lincoln City on 750 The Game. Welcome back to the show. Just a bit, 20 minutes out from the full bracket reveal, the field of 68. You'll hear it right here on 750 The Game, wherever you may be driving around. On your beautiful Sunday afternoon. Beautiful indeed. Who wouldn't want this weather, huh? It's absolutely stunning. Fantastic. Adam, I was half expecting you not to make it on time today because of the time change, but (laughs) I did talk about it with Peter, and because you probably only have a smartphone and no other source of analog timekeeping, the smartphone probably did the hard work for you, and you made it here. It did the hard work. The alarm still worked this morning. The <laughs> oven clock and the microwave were throwing me off a little bit. That, oh, those are always the ones that get you. That needs to be changed when I get home, but but yes, it is always a little bit freaky. Look, I got a six-month-old at home, and uh, you know my nights are always yeah, you're, you're unpredictable. You're on a Time is a flat circle, bro. <laughs> Dude, is it ever? No doubt about it. So this time change uh, simultaneously threw me off and had nothing to do with my day at the same time. Although I did, uh, I guess it wasn't technically sleeping in, but because I lost an hour, it was sleeping in a little bit before coming into the studio today. Samson, I trust that you just uh, rocked it like normal. No big deal. Yeah, no big deal. I uh, I, I got a good amount of sleep last night, probably nice. 10 hours. I know you said on the show recently with <laughs> JC, you get a surprising amount of sleep and Shocking. made me trade jaloux. <laughs> yeah, man. I'll, if I'm being real, 
I'm being real. And, and you got to take into consideration, we did lose an hour jumping forward. I went and visited the fam out in McMinnville. I got about an hour and a half uh, between 3.30 and 5, just napped it out on my mom's couch, <laughs> and uh, came back and then was uh, was asleep by 9.30, woke up, and I guess it's 8.30, which is really 7.30. How's McMinnville looking these days? Absolutely the same. Mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> no, the downtown area that we grew up with on Third Street. You know, I ask because, of course, yes, you and I are yeah. from Neam Hill County. Yeah, so myself I... from McMinnville. Shout if you're in McMinnville, you're listening to the show five zero three four one seven seventy five seventy five. I want to hear from you, Mac Town. Yeah, it was good. Went to the the McMinnimans Hotel, Oregon. Sat on the rooftop bar, enjoyed uh, ah. about an, uh, forty five minutes of the nice weather before the storm rolled in. It was solid. That's actually really really nice. I've not been to a rooftop in in some time, but uh, downtown is is always lovely. So how about that? Downtown Newburgh, downtown McMinnville have gotten shout-outs so far. I drove through downtown Sherwood the other day, so there you go. Throw you a bone. Was in West Lynn not too long ago, so uh, there you go. Facebook Marketplace taking you all over the place. Trust me, I have never learned Portland suburbia better than now, thanks to Facebook Marketplace. Not on my own volition, just executing my wife's calls. It's wonderful. And I live in Wilsonville, so all for you lovely people. Shout-out to Tualatin, 6A. Boys basketball state champions to Alton. Shout out to Beaverton, 6A uh, girls basketball state champions. Both of those secured yesterday at Child Center. So, uh, look, high school basketball is a lot of fun. I know, uh, you know, uh, growing up for me, I rooted hard for Mac High. My senior year, we lost to Landon Lucas and Sunset. Um, and then not too long after that, a couple years ago, Landon Lucas and his dad came in studio for an interview, and I was yeah. hosting that day. And, you know, he had the run with Kansas and all yeah, that. Yeah. And right out of the gate, I said, it's very conflicting for me because <laughs> your Sunset team beat my McMinnville team by senior year of high school, Landon. And uh, I still get scarred from that. But there's all, there's a lot of good basketball talent that comes from our state. I mentioned Peyton Pritchard earlier, but, you know, shout out to, uh, to those of you that uh, won your state titles, respectively. I don't know the 5As on down uh, at the top of my head, but in the 6A, Tualatin men's uh, boys basketball and Beaverton girls basketball. That's pretty impressive stuff. All right, coming up at the top of the hour, it is the full bracket reveal. The field of 68 will have it selection by selection right here on 750 The Game and see who the teams coming to Portland will be and uh, see where Gonzaga, Arizona, UCLA get slotted, uh, which seed line. If you're the Zags, it's going to be a one, maybe the number one overall in all likelihood. And uh, take a look at how the rest of the bracket breaks down from there. I did want to reset just so we become familiar with some of these teams that are going to be announced at the top of the hour. Some of the automatic qualifiers that have already been clinched. Because half the battle with filling out your bracket is like, wait, who, <laughs> what team from what conference and how'd they make it and what? Virginia Tech bursted some bubbles by winning the ACC tournament. They are in the seven seed out of the ACC. Otherwise would have been firmly on the bubble. They run the table, win the thing, beating Duke in the title game. So Virginia Tech is in it. They upset. Uh, they ha- they needed overtime to beat Clemson in the first round of the conference tournament, and then beat Notre Dame, then beat North Carolina, then beat Duke. Hunter Couture is their great player, junior guard, thirty-one points. Beat Duke by fifteen. Hokies are going dancing for the fifth straight tournament. Yeah, I saw that on wow. ESPN yesterday. I was like, five straight, Virginia Tech. Whatever I hear, that's what I just think of Michael Vick. But <laughs> but Virginia Tech, 23-12. and 12. You talked about them being a seventh seed. Efficiency-wise, the numbers love them. 
They've won 13 of their last 15. To start 2022, they lost 6 of 8, and they were way down there in the net. Mm. But since they've slowly been working back up with the Climax being winning the ACC championship, I was looking at their numbers yesterday. They don't steal the ball or block shots, which can be a problem in March when you have no transition buckets, but they do shoot 40% from three, which is top 10 in the country. So if they get hot on the right game, they can beat anyone. And Hunter Couture is a big reason for that. All right, the America East Conference. This one's belonged to Vermont for some time. Bonus points if you know Vermont's mascot. Catamounts. You got it. And what is a catamount? I don't I know. I don't know. But that's what it is, <laughs> the catamounts of Vermont. They beat uh, Maryland, Baltimore County, and uh, are going to the NCAA tournament. They won their championship game by 39 points. My goodness. Ben Shungu. Uh, is their good player. He's a guard and leading scorer, and they also have America East Player of the Year, Ryan Davis. They've won 22 of their last 23 games, and uh, they only had one conference loss. Came Valentine's Day to Hartford in overtime. So, Vermont Catamounts out of the America East. They'll be going on an AQ. Atlantic Sun, Jacksonville State. This is where Deion Sanders is coaching, no? For football? Jacksonville State? That sounds right. I, yeah, there was a bit. They were talking about a Maggie and Perlov. I think he's there's a, a Jacksonville State in Alabama. Oh, and a Jackson State. Ah, I think he's Jackson State. He's Jackson State, right? Okay, Jacksonville State. And not to further confuse everybody, but I was watching a Conference USA title game. I think it was UAB against Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech's best player, Kenneth Lofton Jr. I was like, that's pretty darn cool. <laughs> Turns out his parents are not Kenny Lofton uh, from baseball. He's got the junior, too. <laughs> yeah, he's calling himself Kenneth Lofton Jr. I'm like, Kenny Lofton's kid playing college hoops. That's I a think big I X. saw it on that's Twitter. It's like, you want to feel old. Jameer Nelson's son is playing for Delaware. That I do know, because the Delaware right. coach had a great interview with Jim Rome this week on the game, and he was talking about coaching Jameer's kid. And talk about favorite NCAA tournaments of the past. That St. Joe's team. Oh, man. Baby, did I love myself some Jameer Nelson and Delonte West. And they had a great showdown. I think they played Oklahoma State really late in the tournament. May have been uh, the Elite Eight or a trip to the Final Four was on the line. But but Oklahoma State, Eddie Sutton was their longtime coach, of course. And, man, they had some really, really good players. Um, Tony Allen, I think, was on Okie State back then. Yeah, little, <laughs> that guy was nuts. A little before my time, did the research catamount. It's a cougar. A catamount is a cougar? Yes. I think it's extinct, as though. But so the Vermont extinct cougars yeah. are going to the dance. I okay. will say this: Vermont only lost once since December seventh. Sure, it's not the greatest conference in the world, mm-hmm. but they play. I watched two of their games this season, and the numbers back it up. They play a very slow pace yeah. that I think can trip up some top teams. Eighth in the nation for scoring defense as well. Yeah, and a thirty-nine point win in there championship game uh that's pretty good momentum so jacksonville state after that at the atlantic sun so they're going and uh oh this is the weird one adam we were talking about this jacksonville state is going out of the atlantic sun they lost in the semifinals of their conference tournament however the a sun conference champion is bellarmine and bellarmine despite winning the conference tournament Ineligible for the NCAA tournament because apparently there is a four-year process if you are reclassifying from Division Two to Division One, and Bellarmine is in their first year, I think, of or their second year. Yeah, it's their second year. I don't get it. You're being <laughs> that sucks. You're being punished for being too good too fast. Wow, amazing. So Bellarmine, I'm sorry, you're too good too fast. Jacksonville State's going. I am not. 
Wouldn't that be great if they won, though? They'll, they'll definitely be a 16. They're a 16 in the play-in. You could book it. Jacksonville State, bold prediction right here. Uh, bonus points if you can get the next one. Atlantic 10, the Richmond... Spiders? Yeah, God, you're, you're better than I thought you'd be. No offense. But it is the Richmond Spiders. They were the sixth seed in the A-10 tournament, and they upset Davidson this morning uh, with a free throw with 2.9 seconds left. So the sixth seed out of the A-10, Richmond, they're going dancing. Villanova out of the Big East. You'll hear the name of Colin Gillespie quite a bit as uh, Villanova, the two-seed in the Big East tournament. They beat four-seed Creighton yesterday, 54-48. Barn burner, Jay Wright, Nova moving on. Big Sky Tournament, Montana State. This was probably one of the more predictable ones. The top seed in the Big Sky. They are going dancing. Uh, they started this year losing three out of four games, but had an 11-game win streak midseason. They have six straight wins going into the NCAA tournament. Portland State fans, there was a brief moment where we thought magic was in the building. Portland State reached the semifinals of the Big Sky Conference Tournament but did lose to Northern Colorado in the uh, second half of that game. And then Northern Colorado lost to Montana State. And Montana State going dancing out of the big sky. Somewhere, Jerome Kersey is looking down and smiling on his alma mater. Longwood going to the dance for the first time ever. The Longwood Lancers, champions of the Big South, 26-6. and you heard the championship game of the Big South last week on 750 The Game, and uh, Jerome Kersey is probably the most notable basketball alumni from Longwood, uh, the late great RIP Jerome Kersey. And uh, Longwood is going dancing out of the Big South. Kansas, the AQ out of the Big 12, top seed there. Cal State Fullerton upset Long Beach State to win the Big West at about 11.30 last night. Heard it on Freedom 970. At least I did. <laughs> Delaware, the five seed out of the Colonial. You just mentioned them. They are going to the NCAA tournament as the five seed out of the Colonial. They upset top seed UNC Wilmington. So Delaware is going, and that features Jameer Nelson Jr. UAB out of Conference USA. They are going. They beat the aforementioned Louisiana Tech and Kenneth Kenneth Lofton Jr. No relation to uh, MLB crate Kenny Lofton. Wright State punches their ticket out of the Horizon League. Yay! won the Ivy League title today. Uh, they beat top seed Princeton this morning, 66-64. Yale is going dancing. My favorite automatic qualifier. Who in the world is St. Peter's? <laughs> I thought we were banning the Russian teams. Oh, good. Interesting. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, uh, they do not necessarily qualify as a Russian team. But St. Peter's, the Peacocks, win the Metro Atlantic they are going to the NCAA tournament, I would have thought, for the first time ever. But the St. Peter Sampsons are going dancing for the first time since 2011. And uh, they beat Monmouth in the title game of the Metro Atlantic. So St. Peter's going dancing. Akron, the fighting Joe Moorhead's going dancing out of the Mid-American. They beat Topsy Toledo in the semifinals. Then they beat Kent State in the championship game. Uh, Kent State, by the way, had to suspend four of their best players uh, before that championship game because of some profane video. I don't know exactly what the video said, but Kent State was shorthanded because of disciplinary reasons. Akron took advantage. Akron going dancing for the first time since 2013. Norfolk State out of the Mid-Eastern. They are going dancing. They won the MEAC final, uh, beat uh, Coppin State, who lost 22 games but somehow found themselves in the conference championship game. Norfolk State did beat them. They are going dancing. Norfolk State was a 15 seed not too long ago. Well, it was it was like a decade ago. I was in college at the time. But didn't they beat, I want to say they beat Missouri in a 15-2 upset because uh, who's the Norfolk State kid 
that's in the NBA right now. He played for the Knicks for a while. The big, the the forward, O something, O'Keefe. Ah, I always forget these guys' names, but uh, Samson will help me out there. Uh, he had some good. In- Kyle O'Quinn, yeah. thank you. Drafted in 2012. Kyle O'Quinn was on that team in in 12. That was the same year that C.J. McCollum's Lehigh won as a 15 as well. Beat Duke in a 15-2. That was 10 years ago. Two 15 seeds won on the same day, I'm pretty sure. Jeez. That was back in the day when Missouri always had a great seed and always lost. You could always count on them to lose. Uh, Missouri Valley, Loyola, Chicago. They don't have Porter Mosier, but they are going dancing. They win the Missouri Valley. Boise State wins the Mountain West. Bryant wins the Northeast. Murray State wins the Ohio Valley. Really like Missouri State. Or, excuse me, Murray Murray State. State. Really like these guys. I'll tell you more about them uh, when the bracket gets unveiled. Arizona wins the Pac-12. Colgate brushes their way to the Patriot League title. They're in every year, I swear. Do I get that one? Brushes? Yeah, I got it. Colgate? Okay. Do I have to say toothbrushes their way to a Okay, toothbrushes their way to a Patriot League title. Tennessee out of the SEC. Chattanooga buzzer beater to win the Southern Texas A&M Corpus Christi Texas A&M Corpus Christi I always say Corpus Crispy uh, for the alliteration that's not right Corpus Christi they're going out of the Southland Texas Southern going out of the SWAC South Dakota State out of the Summit Georgia State the fighting RJ Hunters they're going out of the uh, Sun Belt Gonzaga out of the West Coast New Mexico State the Aggies going out of the WAC and uh, did we end up, it's gone final, no? Iowa beat Purdue to win the Big Ten moments ago, 75-66. And Houston did pull away from Memphis to win the American 71-53. Those, ladies and gentlemen, your automatic qualifiers in the NCAA tournament. All right, we'll go away, we'll come back, and we'll set up the bracket reveal for final time. 3 o'clock is getting closer. 750 The Game selection special. More ahead coming up on 750 The Game. Get those brackets ready. This is Selection Sunday on your home of the NCAA tournament from Westwood One. 750, the game. Bracket reveal coming up. Don't go anywhere. Just a few minutes out. So this will be a short segment, nice and tight. Also, we'll tell you where Oregon lands in the NIT, where Oregon women and perhaps Oregon State women as well land in the NCAA tournament on the women's side and the teams coming to Portland in the men's tournament, including the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Judah Newby, Adam Sussman, Peter Sampson here. We just gave you the automatic qualifiers that have already punched their ticket. Adam, real close. Some teams on the bubble with the way that conference tournaments have shaken out. What are one or two teams that you're like, I don't know if they're going to make it in or not? For me, it's Michigan because they lost pretty heavily to Indiana in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. They ended the season well, not under Jawan Howard. But they are the team, along with maybe Rutgers and Indiana themselves, that can maybe propel the Big Ten to 10 teams. And for those that don't know, the Big Ten does have 14 teams, so not every single team from the Big Ten is getting in. Sorry, Northwestern. But will those bubble Big Ten teams be given the benefit of the doubt through the strength of schedule? We'll see if teams that did win their conference tournaments, are they favored on the seed line? Where do they fall? Are those teams that you want to bet on to make a deep run? We'll talk all about it. But coming up, it is the Bracket Reveal exclusively here. On Selection Sunday Special, 7.50 the game. We'll bring it to you. Coming up next. Welcome to Selection Sunday on 7.50 the game. Your home of March Madness from Westwood One. 
Presented by Chinook Winds Casino Resort in Lincoln City, where sports wagering is better at the beach. Now, here's your host, Judah Newby. And we're underway. The Selection Sunday Special here on 750 The Game, your home of March Madness from Westwood One, presented by Chinook Winds Casino Resort. They are just starting to unveil the bracket. Let's get after it, shall we? Let's do this thing. The Gonzaga Bulldogs, the overall number one seed in the NCAA tournament, coming to Portland. 26-3 overall record, winners of the West Coast Conference title. They will take on 16 seed Georgia State, the fighting R.J. Hunters from a few years back. Georgia State, Gonzaga in your 116 battle at Moda Center Thursday, March 17th. The eight seed coming to Portland. Boise State Broncos come on down. They will take on Penny Hardaway is bringing Memphis to Moda Center. 8-9 game Boise State against Memphis. Five seed in the West is the Yukon Huskies. They will take on the 12 seed New Mexico State Aggies out of the whack. And the four seed, here comes the must bus. Arkansas Razorbacks out of the SEC. They will take on the uh, v- the Vermont Catamounts in the 4-13 game in the West region. All right, they're continuing to unveil the West teams. The sixth seed is Nate Oates and Alabama. Alabama always a very, very tough team in the postseason. They bowed out a bit early in the SEC tournament than many expected, but they'll be a, a tough out. They're going to take on the 11 seed in the West region, which will be a play-in winner between... Rutgers and Notre Dame. Rutgers was one of those teams firmly on the bubble, but uh, they will be an additional Big Ten team that makes the tournament. Notre Dame playing out of the ACC. They will be in that play-in game. So Alabama will get the winner of Rutgers and Notre Dame. Rutgers, Notre Dame, an 11 seed play-in that will take place either Tuesday or Wednesday this week. Continuing in the West region, the number three seed is Barrett Peary's Texas Tech Red Raiders, led by, well, no longer Chris Beard there. (laughs) But Barrett Peary, the former Portland State coach, now the associate head coach at Texas Tech. Texas Tech gets on the three line. They will take on the 14 seed Montana State, winners of the Big Sky Conference. The seven line in the West, Tom Izzo. Come on down. Handshake line and all. Sparty gets the seventh seed in the West region, and they will take on Davidson. Still makes it despite losing their conference title game today to Richmond. Davidson gets an at-large as a 10 seed. Steph Curry's alma mater is there. Who will be the two seed in the West? What team will challenge Gonzaga in a likely Elite Eight showdown? Coach K and the Duke Blue Devils. They are the two seed in the West region. 28-6 and overall, but they lost Coach K's home finale to North Carolina, and they lost the ACC championship game against Virginia Tech earlier this weekend. Duke will play in a 2-15 game. Baseball school, Cal State Fullerton, champions of the Big West. They upset Long Beach State yesterday, so Cal State Fullerton will be on the 15 line in the West region. So, to recap, coming to Portland, the overall number one seed in the NCAA tournament, Mark Few, Chet Holmgren, and the Gonzaga Bulldogs. They'll take on 16 seed Georgia State on the eight line in the West. Also coming to Moda Center, the Mountain West Conference tournament champion, 
Boise State Broncos, the eight seed. They will face Penny Hardaway and nine seed Memphis, the runners-up in the American Conference Tournament. They lost to Houston today in the title game. In fact, lost to them just moments ago. So Boise State and Memphis also coming to the Rose City. Zaga, Georgia State, Boise State, and Memphis all coming to Portland. We'll find out four other teams that are coming to Portland as well for these games March 17th and March 19th later this week. On the five line, I actually forgot to write down who is playing New Mexico State as the five seed. UConn. UConn, who lost in the semifinals of the Big East tournament. UConn is going to take on New Mexico State in the 5-12. Arkansas-Vermont in the 4-13. Alabama will play the winner of Rutgers-Notre Dame in a 6-11 showdown. Texas Tech will face Montana State. Montana State, the Big Sky Tournament champion. They face Texas Tech in a 3-14. By the way, Barrett Perry knows a thing or two about the Big Sky. Knows a thing or two about playing Montana State from his days at Portland State. He'll have pretty good intel for the Texas Tech staff there as he's associated. Coach in Michigan State will play Davidson in the 7-10 game. And Duke will play Cal State Fullerton in the 2-15 game. Duke will be the two seed out of the West region. We'll go away. We'll come back. We'll get you the next region revealed right here as the Selection Sunday special rolls on, presented by Chinook Winds Casino Resort in Lincoln City. Back to Selection Sunday on 750 The Game. All right, here we go. We just gave you the West region where Gonzaga is leading the teams coming to Portland. Now we go to the South region as it's being unveiled in real time. The top seed there is another team from the West, the Pac-12 regular season and tournament champions, Tommy Lloyd and the Arizona Wildcats, the one seed in the South region. They'll be opening up their games down in San Diego, California, and take on the 16-seed play-in winner, Wright State out of the horizon, and Wright State will take on Bryant. Moving on down, the eight seed, a bubble team, makes it in, out of the Big East. Seton Hall, come on down. 21-10 and 10 overall record. Seton Hall is going dancing. They are the eight seed out of the South region. They will play another team that was on the bubble but made an impressive run in the conference tournament. Texas Christian, the TCU Horned Frogs, they're going to the NCAA tournament as the nine seed out of the South. TCU against Seton Hall, and the winner there will, in all likelihood, play Arizona in San Diego. Over to Pittsburgh, shall we? The five seed out of the South region is the team that went to the Final Four a season ago and just put the finishing touches on winning the American Conference yet again. Kelvin Sampson and the Houston Cougars, 29-5 and five overall. They are the five seed in the South and they will take on the 12 seed, the Blazers of UAB, Alabama, Birmingham. They won their conference tournament, and uh, they out of the Conference USA, and they will take on Houston in that 5-12 matchup. The four seed in the South, Illinois, out of the Big Ten Conference, and they will take on the 13 seed, winners of their conference championship with a buzzer beater, Terrell Owens' alma mater, believe it or not, Tennessee Chattanooga, UT Chattanooga is going dancing as the 13 seed out of the South region to take on Illinois in the 4-13 matchup. That game being played in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So how about that? Brad Underwood's first test in the opening round will be a a team that's hot after winning a a mid-major conference title. 
going on down the sixth seed in the south will be out of the Mountain West, Colorado State, the Rams, CSU. They're going dancing. 25 and 5 overall record for them. And they will get none other than I shouldn't say the fight in Juwan Howard's because they literally do fight when he's on the court. Juwan Howard and Michigan firmly on the bubble. They lost once Juwan Howard got back and coached him in the Big Ten tournament at 17 and 14 overall. Big Ten's getting 10 teams in. They're going in. And that's a huge get for the Big Ten Conference, as you mentioned. So Colorado State takes on Michigan in the 6-11. Sign me up for that. The three seed out of the South region, Rick Barnes and Tennessee. Boy, this team is playing good ball. And actually, I'm wondering if three is a little low for them as they won the SEC tournament earlier today. Houston got five. I don't get that. Houston's number three overall in the net and number five in Ken Palm. So I think the five ranking for them is a little bit low. Well, they are the five taking on UAB. Tennessee is the three taking on the 14 seed Longwood Lancers. First ever NCAA tournament appearance for Longwood. Alma mater of the late, great Jerome Kersey. Mercy, mercy. Longwood will take on Tennessee in the opening round on Thursday. You talk about the Big Ten. They're getting a lot of teams in here, man. The seven seed is Ohio State who I think lost in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. (laughs) Ohio State, the seventh seed, they're going in, and they're taking on the 10th seed, Loyola Chicago Ramblers. Sister Jean back in the dance yet again. So Ohio State on the seven line. Loyola Chicago gets on the 10 line. The two seed out of the South region who might challenge Arizona is Jay Wright and the Villanova Wildcats. No stranger to being on the two-line, and they will take on the champions of the Colonial, Delaware, the Blue Hens. I think the alma mater of Joe Flacco, if memory serves. Uh, That definitely gives uh, Delaware some extra power. You're welcome for that, by the way. Uh, Delaware, the 15 seed to take on Villanova on the two-line. All right, so on CBS, Clark and Seth and company, they're chatting about this a little bit. Overall impressions, Adam, from that south region that has Arizona at the top. It's a very entertaining region. We could get a Michigan-Ohio State Elite Eight, which is always fun. I think Illinois versus Chattanooga is probably the highest sense for an upset. Chattanooga, 27-7. and They won on that buzzer beater. Didn't have the best strength of schedule, but they were a damn good team this year. Like I said, Houston as a five is too low. Mm -hmm. TCU is a team I like. I think they have upset potential as well. Top 25 defense in the country. Ninth best strength of schedule in the entire nation. So the fact that even had the record they did with that kind of schedule gets them in Loyola Chicago Ohio State's very interesting Ohio State ended the season in disappointing fashion losing as Penn State in the first round of the Big Ten Loyola Chicago Porter Moser not there anymore but they're still going to be everyone's sleeper Cinderella yeah. pick and you talk about Porter Moser he's now at Oklahoma in his first year there and they are one of those other bubble teams we'll see if they make it in All right, looks like uh, the CBS coverage is going to a break. We will as well. So we have the West set. We have the South set. Gonzaga is off the board, as is Arizona. Where will UCLA end up? And where will some of these other bubble teams end up? Coming back in a moment, selection special, presented by Chinook Winds, Casino Resort in Lincoln City. Back in a few here on 750 The Game. We're your home for the madness. Oh, Oh, no. Tyler 
University, Oregon Duck, Mr. March. You don't get that name if you don't show out. This is Selection Sunday on 750 The Game, your exclusive home of the NCAA tournament from Westwood One. Junior newbie Adam Sussman, Peter Sampson in the house, bouncing with you. One of my favorite days of the year. For a college basketball fan, it's like Christmas Day. Selection Sunday. We have the West region in place. We have the South region in place. Respective top seeds there. Two teams from our part of the country. Gonzaga and Arizona. So Gonzaga, the top seed in the West. Arizona, the top seed in the South. They are introducing now, I believe, the Midwest region where the Kansas Jayhawks will be the top overall seed, and they'll be coming out of the Midwest. 28-6 and six overall. Kansas, one of those teams that they're always supposed to be good. This year, they actually realized that potential. They are really, really good. They will take on the 16 play-in winner, Texas Southern, against Texas A&M Corpus Christi. How about that? So the SWAC winner, the uh, Texas Southern squad, they're always on the 16 line each and every year, it feels like. They'll take on uh, another regional team in AM Corpus Christi. The eight seed out of the Midwest will be the uh, Fighting Steve Fishers, uh, San Diego State, the Aztecs, Fighting Kawhi Leonard, whoever you, however you want to call them. They are the eight line out of the Midwest. They will take on nine seed the McDermott's of Creighton. Greg McDermott led the Creighton Blue Jays on a deep run in the Big East tournament. And they lost in the championship to Villanova Saturday. But Creighton still makes it as an at-large. They are the nine seed out of the Midwest region. The five seed out of the Midwest region is the tournament champions out of the Big Ten. The Iowa Hawkeyes, led by Jordan Bohannon and company. Iowa makes it as a five seed and they will take on the 12 seed Richmond Spiders, who earlier today upset Davidson to win their conference tournament. So Richmond gets in as the 12 seed. Oh, that's interesting. A 5-12. Hawkeyes and Spiders, Iowa, Richmond. Mm, got my eye on that one, although I really shouldn't do that. I always like teams that win their conference tournaments like Iowa did. The four seed are the Fighting Chris Dunn's Providence Friars. The four seed, and they will take on the 13 seed South Dakota State. Providence on the four line. South Dakota State in the 13 line. The uh, Summit League champion, South Dakota State. I always feel like South Dakota State or North Dakota State always makes it here. And they, you know, they give people some uh, some problems. Sixth seed out of the Midwest. We don't know who's coaching them, but it don't matter. Shaquille O'Neal can coach this team. LSU is the sixth seed in the Midwest region, and they have fired their head coach as of this morning. Will Wade, no longer there. They will take on the 11 seed, the fighting George Niangs. I should stop doing this, but I can't help myself. Iowa State makes it in as an at-large out of the Big 12. So LSU, Iowa State, and a 6-11. That is fascinating. Wisconsin playing in Milwaukee. And th- these games are being played in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Adam just mentioned it. Wisconsin out of the Big 10. They will be on the three-line in the Midwest region, and you couldn't help yourself. You had to get that one out there. And they will take the 14-seed Colgate champions of the Patriot. Adam, you are a Wisconsin fan. I, I see the enthusiasm brewing out of you. That's going to be a super exciting matchup. Wisconsin, I already see them in the Sweet 16. They got it.
Really? Yeah, I love it. Wisconsin has a three seed. I don't. I mean, LSU without a coach. Well, Iowa I guess State's that's disappointed. Not as, that's not very bold. They're they're the top seed in that pod, so they'll be fine. We're playing the winner of LSU Iowa State if Wisconsin can beat Colgate in the three fourteen. All right, Friday, Greenville, South Carolina, seven seed in the Midwest. USC, Andy Enfield, and the Trojans. USC, who lost to UCLA in the semifinals in Vegas in the Pac-12 tournament. They'll be taking on, and at large from the ACC, the Miami Hurricanes get on the 10 line. USC, Miami. Boy, that's a fun one. That's a fun, like, football historic yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> college football game. Who parties harder? Ooh, that's a, yeah, especially now and all the students making up for lost time and spring break. USC Miami. That's going down Friday, the 7-10 game. Auburn is on the two line in the Midwest region. So Auburn, who lost, I believe, in the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament to Texas A&M, they are the two seed and they will take on the 15 seed Jacksonville State. So I was wrong. I thought Jacksonville State would definitely get a 16 seed. Since, you know, they didn't win their conference tournament and all. But lo and behold, they get on the 15 line and they will take on Auburn out of the Midwest. So, Kansas, the top seed out of the Midwest. Auburn, the two seed. Wisconsin, the three seed. Providence, the four seed. Iowa, the five seed. Adam Sussman, your initial impressions out of the Midwest. South Dakota State is a 13, is very dangerous. 21-game uh, win streak. They won the Summit League in very convincing fashion. Third highest scoring offense in America, and Providence had a disappointing conference tournament. Best three-point shooting team in the country, good free-throw shooting team as well. I'm going to bet the over on that game. I know that. I'm not going to be able to call South Dakota State yet. I need to look into it more, but I don't like the 12 versus the fives that much yet. And historically, they win about 35 36% of the time, the 12 over the five. The 13 versus the fours honestly look better. The 5-12 games that we have so far are UConn, New Mexico State in the West, Houston, UAB in the South, and Iowa, Richmond in the Midwest. That's 12 is high for Richmond, but whatever. I know that committees allegedly knows what they're doing. All right, we've got one more region to go. It is the East, and we'll bring it to you next on the Selection Sunday special here on 750 The Game. Back to Selection Sunday, presented by Chinook Winds Casino Resort in Lincoln City on 750 The Game. Always getting jiggy with uh, Selection Sunday. Welcome back. Judah Newby, Adam Sussman, Peter Sampson in the house. We've unveiled the West. We've unveiled the South. We've unveiled the Midwest. One more region to go. Let's do it, shall we? East region being unveiled as we speak. And the top seed in the East is the defending champion, Scott Drew, Baylor Bears. Baylor on the one line in the East region. They will take on the 16th seed, Norfolk State. Kyle O'Quinn's alma mater, as previously discussed. That game will be in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. North Carolina gets on the 8 line in the East region. So North Carolina will be the 8 seed and they will take on the nine seed, the Golden Eagles of Marquette. So Marquette makes it as an at-large. They will be the nine seed taking on North Carolina on St. Patrick's Day this Thursday in Fort Worth, Texas. Also coming to Portland, 
St. Mary's, come on down. They are the five seed in the East region, the Gales of St. Mary's, who did upset Gonzaga once in their three meetings this year. <laughs> we got them done at home. St. Mary's didn't lose a home game all year long. And they are coming to Moda Center along with Gonzaga and Georgia State and Boise State and Memphis. St. Mary's, the five seed out of the East region, the 12 seed they'll be playing is a play-in winner between Wyoming and Indiana. Oh, that's probably my favorite that's 512 tough. now. Oh, that's tough. UCLA was a 12 play-in last year, and they've got all the way to the Final Four. People yeah. are going to be picking Indiana to do something similar. Wyoming also not shabby either. So Mike Woodson's coming to Portland. That's fun with Indiana. All right. Well, if they beat Wyoming in the play-in, I should say. So Indiana-Wyoming is uh, a play-in. The four seed in the East coming to Portland. Mick Cronin, Johnny Juzang, Jaime Jaquez, Tiger Campbell, and UCLA. They are the four seed in the East. They are coming to Portland, and they will take on the uh, 13 seed that literally just flashed before my eyes, and I already forgot. I'll get it for you in a second. Akron. There Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. Appreciate that. Maybe Joe Moorhead will come back for that one. So UCLA and Akron, St. Mary's, and the winner of Wyoming, Indiana, coming to Moda Center. That's so cool. The sixth seed in the East region, Chris Beard and Texas. They get themselves on the sixth line in Chris Beard's first season at the helm, taking over for Shaka Smart. And they will face the 11 seed out of the East, Virginia Tech, who I was hating on all week long, and they shove it in my face by winning the ACC tournament, beating Duke yesterday. Virginia Tech, the 11 seed. They will take on six seed Texas Friday in Milwaukee. The three seed in the East region are the Purdue Boiler Makers, as the Big Ten places yet another team into the tournament. They will take on the Ivy League champions as of this morning, Yale, Ivy League, playing their first conference tournament in about three years, and Yale gets it done. So Yale, with the win earlier today, they are the automatic qualifier out of the Ivy. They will face Purdue in the 314 game. The seven seed out of the East, Murray State. Obviously, we all remember them for John Morant, but this team is not to be messed with. 30-2 and two overall, and I don't think they have lost since New Year's Day. Murray State is the seven seed out of the East, and they will take on the 10 seed, a team we are not used to seeing in the NCAA tournament. San Francisco, USF, the Dons. I know them as a baseball school, but their basketball team makes it as an at-large. San Francisco, the 10 seed in the East region to take on seven seed Murray State. There's Coach Cal. He shows up on the two-line out of the East region. The Kentucky Wildcats will be the two-seed out of the East, where Baylor is the top seed in that. So Baylor-Kentucky, if Chalk holds up, would be your Elite Eight matchup out of the East region. Kentucky will start their tournament run in the lovely city of Indianapolis, Indiana. They will take on the 15-seed St. Peter's, the St. Peter-Sampson's. They are in the tournament for the first time since 2011. They won their conference tournament, and they will take on Kentucky in the 215. There you go. So we figured out the four other teams coming to Portland. 
out of the East region, technically, but starting the run at Moda Center, St. Mary's as the five seed. They will take on the 12 seed play in winner between Wyoming and Indiana. And the four seed is UCLA. They're coming to Portland as well, and they will take the 13 seed Akron. So the teams coming to Portland Gonzaga, Georgia State, Boise State, Memphis, St. Mary's, the winner of Wyoming, Indiana. UCLA and Akron. Adam Sussman, what do you think about that? That's a fun field. Yeah, so looking at the Portland games, it's it's really entertaining. Big Ten get up getting nine teams, so they tie for second most of all time. Big East with six, Big Twelve with six, SEC six, ACC getting five. That surprised me a little bit. UNC getting ranked as high as they were. Duke win was big for them. They got crushed as an eight seed against Wisconsin last season. And we see the first four out. Texas AM didn't get in. Made it to the SEC championship in such a good conference, but they're not getting in. SMU and Oklahoma not getting in either. I look at that 5-12 between St. Mary's and either Indiana or Wyoming. If Indiana wins, historically, when the 5 seed is from not a major conference like the WCC and the 12 seed is from one of the major six conferences, the 12 seed wins 59% of the time. So if Indiana gets through, they will probably be favored over St. Mary's. I know St. Mary's is a West Coast team that dominates at home. But, hey, Moda Center isn't home. It's going to be a close one. And you see right now, the last four teams that got in, two of them were Big Ten to round out that nine. Amazing. So the Big Ten does get nine teams in, and that is the most of any conference. There you go. And the first four out, as you mentioned, Dayton Flyers out. Oklahoma and Porter Moser out. SMU is out. And Buzz Williams, unfortunately, and Texas A&M, they were the eight seed, I think, in the SEC tournament. They kept on winning. They beat Auburn, and uh, they beat Arkansas, but they lost in rather convincing fashion this morning in the SEC championship game to Tennessee. So Buzz Williams and Texas A&M, they do not make it as an at-large out of the SEC. Boy, that's a lot of fun. All right, so that is the full field of 68. We'll go away. We'll come back. We'll run through all of it again. We'll take your calls at 503-417-7575. Tell me if you're excited, if you're going to the games at Moda Center, and tell me who are you going to be taking in the Final Four and your championship game. You can also enter our bracket challenge at 750thegame.com. Enter for a chance to win a perfect bracket and win a million dollars. It's all good. And uh, we'll also have a little bit more fun on this along the way. With you till 5 o'clock, the Selection Sunday special right here on 750 The Game, presented by Chinook Winds Casino Resort in Lincoln City, where sports wagering is better at the beach. Coming right back here on 750 The Game. Back to Selection Sunday on 750 The Game. 503-417-7575. Tell me if you're going to the games at Moda Center this week. Tell me who you like to come out of the West, the East, the Midwest, the South. Who are your final four picks? Who are your championship picks? You can go to 750thegame.com right now as well. Enter uh, a perfect bracket for a chance to win a million dollars. Nothing to it but to do it. You're welcome. Welcome back to the selection special here on the game. Judah Newby, Adam Sussman, Peter Sampson in the house. We're rocking with you till 5 o'clock. We just gave you the full field of 68. We'll go ahead and run through that again once more right here. Starting out of the West region, Gonzaga Bulldogs, the top seed in the tournament. They are on the one line in the West. They will take on 16 seed Georgia State. 
Remember them as a 15 seed. I, believe, I think it was a 14 seed now that I think about it. A few years ago with R.J. Hunter and R.J. Hunter's dad uh, falling off his chair. <laughs> I think they upset Baylor in a 14-3 game, something like that. But Georgia State, a 16 seed, and they will face Gonzaga. The 8 seed in the West is Boise State, tournament champions of the Mountain West Conference. And they will take on 9 seed Penny Hardaway and Memphis. I know Memphis was here with uh, James Wiseman about start of the year last year, right? For the, uh, two. It was before COVID started. It was before yeah. COVID started, so it was a little bit ago. So, But they'll be making a return to Portland for uh, this regional. So Memphis, Boise State, Gonzaga, Georgia State. Uh, other teams coming to Portland, you go to the East region technically to find these teams. But St. Mary's, also Gonzaga's rival in the WCC, St. Mary's is the five seed, a vulnerable five seed, we think out of the East region. They'll be playing at Moda Center, and they will take on the 12-seed winner, Wyoming and Indiana. Either of those teams could present a threat to the Gales. UCLA, also coming to Portland. Keep your eye on this team, obviously, as a double-digit seed last year, making it all the way to the Final Four, returning a lot of that top talent, including Johnny Juzang and Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell, etc., Mick Cronin. Uh, the runners-up in the Pac-12 tournament, they lost to Arizona in a pretty good game yesterday. UCLA, the four-seed in the East region, they will take on 13-seed Akron out of the East, and those teams also come into Moda Center Thursday. Back to the West region, the five-seed UConn, the 12-seed New Mexico State, four-seed Arkansas, 13-seed Vermont. Arkansas, Vermont, Eric Musselman, and the Razorbacks, I feel like they're they're pretty familiar being on about the four line or the three line, the five line at times. They've had some shaky moments in the first round, but I think they have what it takes to uh, overcome the catamounts. Six seed Alabama could be pesky. They'll take on the 11 seed play in Rutgers, Notre Dame winner, uh, Texas tech, the three seed in the West region. They'll take on big sky champion, Montana state. Of course, former Portland state coach, Barrett Perry. Now an associate head coach at Texas tech. He's very familiar with Montana State, so hopefully he'll have some good intel on them. Tom Izzo and Michigan State, the seventh seed in the West region. I feel like Michigan State always gets into the West region. <laughs> it's one of those things. But normally, they're a little bit higher than a seven. They are a seven seed. They will take on 10 seed Davidson, who makes it in as an at-large, despite losing their conference tournament game today. And Mike Krzyzewski, Coach K and Duke, the two seed in the West, taking on the Big West Tournament champion, Cal State Fullerton, who won late last night, upsetting Long Beach State. So Cal State Fullerton takes on Duke in the first round out of the West region, Adam, and that means it could be Tom Izzo against Coach K in the second round in Coach K's final season. Yeah, that's the storyline that everyone's going to be looking at. And in the first round, Michigan State is playing against their old starting point guard, Foster Lawyer. Foster Lawyer transferred on not necessarily the best terms for Michigan State, so I feel a little bit bad for him because this might be some psychological warfare for him going against his former team. He was at Michigan State from 2018 to 2021. Second team all-conference at Davidson this year. Didn't have the best conference tournament, but the regular season was elite. I think the West region, top to bottom, is the best region. If you look at the three, four, five, and 6, I can't say this about other regions. I think they're all capable of beating Gonzaga as the number one. Alabama already beat Gonzaga this year. UConn is a team that is one of the best shot-blocking and rebounding teams in the entire nation. They can match the size of the Zags. And even in the 8-9, Memphis, look, we all know they're a recruiting juggernaut. But 
do they have the effort to meet the intensity of March Madness? They have the talent. They have the size to beat Gonzaga. On the Memphis's best game, I think they can beat the Zags. Arkansas, we know all about them. They were my pick to win it all last year. Came up just short, but they have a chance this season. Texas Tech, alternatively, while the transfer system did not work for Oregon, didn't work for Oregon State this year, it worked damn well for Texas Tech. A lot of their players left when Chris Beard left, but they deserve the number three seed. They beat Texas and Chris Beard this season a couple of times. They're a really good team, deserve to be a number three. So I think the West, top to bottom, is really entertaining, and this is going to be a a absolute marathon for Gonzaga to get out of. Getting any of those matchups is something I'm salivating for. Even just if it goes chalk, getting a 1-2 of Gonzaga, the number one overall seed, versus Coach Kane's last ever tournament is great. You know, the fact that Gonzaga is the number one overall seed and still on paper, arguably as the toughest path of a number one seed, doesn't make me feel very good. It's like, I thought you were supposed to have an advantage being the number I, yeah. one overall seed. I think Arizona has the easiest path to an Elite Eight because I don't see TCU or Seton Hall beating them in the second round. In Illinois, I'm a little bit more reserved on. They don't have Ayo DeSuma, who's a stud for the Bulls right now. Coffee Coburn's going to pose a lot of problems for Chattanooga in the first round, but Chattanooga's a good offensive team. And then Houston as a five, I just don't get I said it when it came out. Maybe this is some disrespect of the American Conference, but Memphis getting a 9 should pose that Houston should have gotten a 2 or a 3. Houston, efficiency-wise, top 10 team in the country all year. ESPN has their fancy rankings that had Houston in the top 5 the whole year. So to get them a 5 seed, I don't necessarily get. They literally got to the Final Four last. You can't use that as an excuse either. 503-417-7575. Your thoughts on the bracket that just came out? What are some games you like? Some upset potentials that you like as well? Talked about the 512s, St. Mary's, even though they're coming to Portland. You worry a little bit about them. Houston UAB is a 512. Iowa Richmond a 512. Yukon New Mexico State a 512. Some upset potentials in the 413 ranges. You talked about Chattanooga, Illinois. Even though Illinois... They're so talented and so well coached, I feel like. But then last year they lost to Loyola Chicago when, you know, they shouldn't have. Oregon State goes on to beat Loyola Chicago the next round to make you scratch your head even more. Illinois is a four seed against Chattanooga at 13. Any upset potential there in your mind? I think a little bit. Chattanooga went 27-7 and in the regular season. They won the Southern Conference in overtime over Furman. Uh, you know... They don't do anything above average. That's my only worry with Chattanooga. You see teams like South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits are very poor on defense, but an elite offense mm-hmm. that can match with anybody. So when you're playing against these Power Six teams that have had the strength of schedule, they're playing, you know, the they're playing the Wisconsin's, they're playing the Iowa's that produce the entire season. I want you to be able to do something elite. And I don't know if Chattanooga necessarily has that. But on the backside, look, they don't do anything poorly. So if Illinois has a bad shooting night or Coffee Coburn is off his game or in foul trouble, we have to remember about foul trouble. What happens a lot in March Madness that we don't remember, they have a chance. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's always weird is you want to take upsets. You know, if you're going to take a mid-major to pull a 12-5 upset or a 13-4 upset, generally you'd take a mid-major that was the top seed in their tournament. They won their tournament and they looked good doing it. They're feisty, they're dangerous. Some of these mid-majors that are dancing were like four and five seeds in their conference tournament and either ran the table or got lucky because other teams were ineligible for the NCAA tournament, and yet you want to write them off. But you can't. 
You can't because sometimes those very teams are the ones that, you know, end up making big upsets in the tournament. You just never know. So I've got some, you want my five versus 12 stats? I'll, uh, I'll word vomit on you real quick. Yeah, let's hold those for a little bit. I want to come back to you after the break and uh, get some of the 5-12 notable upset. Peter Sampson, your thoughts on the bracket and the teams coming to Portland? Man, I'm excited about a special, uh, especially Gonzaga and uh, Memphis. I know Memphis didn't have a great regular season, was really up and down, but look, I'm thinking about it from an NBA perspective. I'm watching the Blazers uh, ping-pong balls. Yeah. And look, Come on. the Blazers, they're kind of in an interesting situation right now. We're talking seven or eight. The, the uh, pick from New Orleans is around uh, is pick number nine right now. So if, if everything goes well, you've got Chet Holmgren coming to town. You get to, you know, lay eyes on him, see what he's all about. Imagine him in the red and black. Mm. Uh, but Memphis, man, I really, really think the odds are Portland is going to be picking seven, eight, nine. A guy like Jalen Duran, who hasn't looked great, but that's more of a function of the fact that the team is sort of a mess around him, <laughs> sure. but he is a defensive monster. He's, he's just he's a super athletic Capella type rim running big man. He's already 250 pounds. He's got a 7 foot 6 wingspan. He's a shot blocking wow. beast, and I think he's a guy that the Trailblazers might be targeting. You get to see him up close in person at Moda. Just in this tournament in general, having Duran versus Chet Holgren I mean, that's such a fun matchup. Yeah. The casual eye saying, hey, Chet Holgren's a little skinny there. Let's hit the weight room. And maybe us three say that, too. He has a chance to prove it if he can actually hang with an NBA body in Jalen Durant from the start. You say Chet Holmgren. I see Kevin Durant. Everybody was saying Kevin Durant was skinny coming out of college. I mean, I, I, I say that partially tongue-in-cheek, of course. Yeah, I mean, who the hell is Kevin Durant? But still. Kevin Durant wasn't a center. And Chet Holgren's going to be asked to play the five in the NBA. And Durant, he, Peter did a great you know, run down over him. He's a little bit undersized for the center position in the NBA, but wingspan, honestly, in today's oh, game is more important than the height itself. It is. And if we're talking Durant, I mean, you go to that Auburn, uh, obviously it's not in mm. Portland, but that Auburn, Jacksonville State, Jabari Smith is the pure uh, KD comp to me when you're just talking length, pure shot making, just up and down the floor. It doesn't matter where. Maybe some questions on the handles, maybe some questions as a playmaker, but just absolute deadly scorer. So Jabari Smith from Auburn, Jalen Duran from Memphis, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga. How high is Holmgren going to go? Number one. I think he's going to go number one. You, it de- look, it depends on how everything shakes out, though. A lot of, a lot of teams are going to have Jabari there. It depends on what you're looking for. Like the Rockets, uh, probably going to be number two, best player overall. It's going to be the Magic, I think, at number one. This thing, These could change. I think the Pistons are going to take best player available as well. I could see them trying to go up uh, for a uh, Jaden Ivey from Purdue and mm. maybe look, put him next to Cade Cunningham. Cause I look Cunningham is smooth. We all know that we've seen him play and Ivy is just, he's a wrecking ball and that kind of contrasting play at the guard spots at the wing positions can be a really, really nice uh, fit there in Detroit. I think Paulo Banchero uh, Duke is going to be three, four five around there. And then you start getting into some question marks. You're talking maybe AJ Griffin or Shaden Sharp. Um, I've seen some people talk about Johnny Davis, which doesn't necessarily make sense. He's a great college player. I just wonder about it transitioning to the pros. Uh, Keegan Murray, Iowa's another one I'd love to see as a trailblazer. Potentially, he's a forward because it's it, – look, we all know that Portland needs to get bigger. They're in good shape at the starting one, the starting two. 
I don't think they can be choosy. Best player available, even if that's a guard. They just need talent. There's going to okay. be a lot of it in the tourney. That's interesting because, yeah, I was trying to think in my head how, uh, well, it's a different regime. You know, we'll see what Cronin and yeah. his, his guys are like as drafters. Olshay's reputation, as we know, a couple of big hits early. Uh, and Fernie, I think we have to give it to him. Yep. Uh, but at the same time, some notable big men that have been uh, and the whiff yeah. in drafts of the past. So if you're kind of narrowing in potential big men in Rip City, already I'm on high alert that uh, something's going to go wrong. But at the same time, <laughs> yeah, Murray from Iowa? Yeah. Isn't Keegan Murray? Uh, yeah, yeah, Keegan Murray, uh, forward Iowa. He's a he, forward, okay. Yeah, and he's a, he's... I think he slots in as a power forward probably defensively. He's one of those guys that isn't quite going to be a number one scorer on the team, but he has really good size. He can get out in transition. And look, I mean, he can put the ball in the bucket. Look, Damon Lillard, Damian Lillard is going to be your number one guy, at least for the next couple of years. Keegan Murray is a nice kid. If you fall at number eight, say if you're picking number eight and ninth back to back with your pick in the Pelicans pick, Keegan Murray and uh, Jalen Duren, those are two good selections. So I will say this about this year's tournament when it comes to NBA prospects. In last year, we kind of knew Kay Cunningham was going to be the number one draft the whole year. In Zion's year, we knew he was going to be the number one pick the whole year. And while Chet Holgren, and I agree with you, Peter, is probably going to be the number one pick. Not a lock, though. Exactly. Yeah. There is stuff that can happen in this tournament that can adjust that one, two, three. Paolo Banchero could take Duke to the final four, put the team on his back. Jabari Smith. Uh, for Auburn could just absolutely kill it and take them to the final four of the championship. All three of these top two picks are yeah. either a one or a two seed. Yeah. So you, I mean, even like Kate Cunningham was like a seven or an eight last year. I mean, it might've been a five, but you have these potential to go in a magical run that can propel you to a number one pick status. They were in terms of seeding. Yeah, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma last State. Year. Yeah, they were a four, I believe. I said five too. Because they lost to the Beavers. In the second round, we beat Cade Cunningham. How about that? Take that, Cade. Oregon State, three wins, but keeping the mojo alive, baby. Beat the five-seed Rick Barnes. Yeah. Beat the four-seed Cade Cunningham. Back-to-back weeks. Anthony Edwards. <laughs> Anthony, uh, the, the top three picks uh, two years ago, I guess there wasn't a tournament, so it made right. But Anthony Edwards wasn't going to get in with Georgia. They sucked. James Weissman's Memphis team, he played like three games for them and then yeah. got in you know, regulation like issues. Minutes, yeah. And then LaMelo Ball was playing in Australia, yeah. so you didn't even get those guys. And this year, all three are going to be prolific in March Madness. And the NCAA tournament just uh, always turns out stars. Jalen Suggs was the big one last year. You know, I guess he's been banged up this year a little bit. He has been down in Orlando. Yeah. Suggs, that was wild. That that Final Four Dude. game where, honestly, I was watching him. If you were really paying attention to that game before he nailed that miracle shot, he was killing his draft stock. Careless turnovers, bad shots. And I'm going, man, this is a dude who was a potential number one overall. Watching him throw it away, then he hits that, that miracle, you know, bank shot, and the uh -huh. rest is history. Greatest moments. One of the greatest moments in the history of the tournament. Oh, yeah. For sure. And then they just ran out of steam. You know, to uh, to a Baylor in the title game, but it was a fun tournament last year. But it's going to be even better this year. Crowds back, you know, locations are back. Portland has eight teams coming for Thursday and Saturday. Excited about that. We'll talk about that more. We'll also keep our pulse on the NIT field and the uh, the women's NCAA tournament field and any local storylines there. One more hour to go on our selection special here on 750 The Game. It's presented by Chinook Winds Casino Resort in Lincoln City, where sports wagering is better at the beach. Final hour coming up.
Welcome to Selection Sunday on 750 The Game, your home of March Madness from Westwood One. Presented by Chinook Winds Casino Resort in Lincoln City, where sports wagering is better at the beach. Now, here's your host, Judah Newby. All right, the field is set. What are your thoughts? 503-417-7575. You can tweet at 750 The Game. You can tweet at Judah Newby. Adam Sussman, Peter Sampson, bringing us your bracket reaction. The teams coming to Portland include Gonzaga, Georgia State, Boise State, Memphis, St. Mary's, Wyoming, or Indiana. That play-in winner to be determined. UCLA and Akron. Those games on Thursday, the 17th of March, and Saturday, the 19th as well. Top overall seed, Gonzaga Bulldogs. Two seed is Arizona. Three seed is Kansas. And the fourth seed is Baylor. And by those, I mean the overall seeds. Those are all number one seeds in their respective regions. But it's Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, and Baylor. We just talked about the West region. We also talked about some top NBA prospects in this tournament field that in Peter Sampson and Adam Sussman's eyes should be players that Blazer fans are looking out for. Of course, Chet Holmgren is at the top of that list, but he's going to be on the top of a lot of teams' list, depending on how the lottery balls shake out. Jalen Duran from Memphis also coming to Portland as Memphis is the ninth seed in the West region to face eight-seed Boise State on Thursday. Uh, Keegan Murray, Peter mentioned the forward from Iowa. Uh, Jabari Smith from Auburn, who might be a, a truer comp of Kevin Durant, more so than uh, Chet Holmgren, as I posited, uh, couched it a little bit. But Chet Holmgren is a special player. But Jabari Smith from Auburn, you'll see him in the Midwest region on the two line as they take on Jacksonville State in the 215 game. USC is the seventh seed in the Midwest. They will take on 10 seed Miami in a college football March Madness crossover special 7-10 game out of the Midwest. Uh, In the South region, though, we talked about Arizona. They are the number one overall seed in the South. They will take on the 16-seed winner, Wright State, against Bryant. And then the 8-9 game, Seton Hall and TCU. So, Adam Sussman, we've we've talked about Gonzaga having a bit of a challenging path out of the West. Let's look at Arizona out of the South. Say they win the 116, and they don't become the second number one seed ever to lose in a 116 game. Shout out UMBC a few years ago against Virginia. And then they'll play the winner of 8-9 Seton Hall TCU. What do you make of the first couple of games out of the gate for Arizona? I think they have the easiest of the first two. I'd much rather face Seton Hall or TCU in the first round over Boise State or Memphis. Arizona, to me, of every one seed, they're my favorite team. One seeds rarely win it all. Like It's never going to go chalk or how you think it's going to go. But let's say the one seeds were all to meet up. I like Arizona the most. They're one of the five teams in the country that have top 20 in terms of adjusted offense and adjusted defense. While shooting and defense is often matchup dependent, passing travels well. Passing always shows up. And Arizona was the best passing team throughout the entire span of this tournament, excuse me, the entire span of the season, led the country in assists, didn't turn over the ball much. And that paired with how fast they play, they're the fastest tempo in the Pac-12. You saw it last night against UCLA. The Bruins straight up looked tired by the end of that game with how up and down Arizona plays. And when you have that mesh of playing fast, passing well, and not turning over the ball, that works in March. I like Arizona a lot. Second best scoring margin in the country throughout the whole season. 31-3, and and their three losses were all good losses. It does fear me that they have a loss to a team 
in their bracket. They lost to Tennessee on December 22nd. Right, I forgot about that. They lost to UCLA, and they also lost to Colorado. So that Tennessee pick, for me, could be looking good because they already have proven it against Arizona. But I do like the Wildcats a lot coming out of this. I like them more than other one seeds. And they lost a key player in Kirk Kreese right in the quarterfinals of the Pac-12 tournament, Stanford. And even without them, they still played well. Like to see that resilience. Uh, 5-12, you've talked about Houston against UAB. You think Houston on the five lines, a little unfortunate for them considering they just won their conference tournament. They just won their conference tournament. They made the Final Four last year. They crushed it in the American. And all the advanced numbers show, even not, not even the advanced numbers, I don't even have to sound too fancy, just in general, in the net, they were a top 10 team. In Ken Palm, they are a top 8 team. In ESPN's rankings, they're a top 10 team. So I just don't understand how they get the five. I know the American was down this year, but still, I think Houston should have been a two or a three. Watch UAB just upset them anyway. That would be be surprising. That is how the tournament uh, seems to go from time to time. The four seed in the South is Brad Underwood in Illinois, taking on the 13 seed Chattanooga. We talked about this matchup earlier. Chattanooga not necessarily possessing the numbers, the metrics of one of those non-majors to upset a team like Illinois, you can never rule anything out. But say it's Illinois and say it's Houston advancing to the second round. Houston hard done by by the five line, but Illinois a pretty strong four, I would imagine, a team you're familiar with, a conference you're familiar with in the Big Ten. How do you figure Illinois-Houston would play out? So I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. Illinois' defense is pretty good because they face the fifth-best opposition offenses this entire season. Coburn, no matter who they play, unless they have an elite center, is going to be a matchup nightmare. But it's the age-old saying of, you need guard play come March Madness. And Illinois you know, has players, but they're not the level of a, a Johnny Davis at Wisconsin, who is guard skills and a forward's body. Purdue is the number one offense in the country. They run a lot through the post and their guards. Illinois is more so, I don't want to say make it up as you go, because that sounds negative about the team but I don't think they're as polished and perfect as they were last season. And Chattanooga could pose some problems. And if I had a 5-4 Houston-Illinois matchup in the second round, I would take Houston. I believe those games being uh, played in Pittsburgh out of the gate. Sixth seed in the south is Colorado State, and they get Juwan Howard and 11 seed Michigan. A lot of people upset about this. They didn't think Michigan uh, should get in as an at-large selection. What's your reaction? It is a little bit surprising they got an 11. I feel like that's a little bit high for them. I thought they were going to be in a playing game like Indiana was, considering they lost in the first round of the tournament to Indiana. Colorado State, I was at a game in Fort Collins this year at their gym. They got blown out by UNLV, so I guess it wasn't a great (laughs) omen for that. But they have a very powerful attack, Colorado State does. They move the ball well. They shoot the ball well. But overall... They are not the flag bearers for the Mountain West like I think Boise State will be. If Boise State beats Memphis and then loses Gonzaga, that's still a big W for the conference. Because if you can beat the brand power that is Memphis in the first round in Portland, which is your, I guess, NBA arena, there's going to be a lot of blue there on both sides, obviously. I'm interested to see what the crowd breakdown is going to be. Will be interesting there. It's kind of a favorable matchup for Michigan, considering in all likelihood they were one of the last teams in. You would think. Yeah, Colorado is a top 20 offense in the country. I think they're ranked 19th C- right now. CSU, you mean? Yeah. Okay. That's it. Yeah, CSU. Gotcha. Poor Colorado. Yeah. Colorado I will say that, make... like, so we all know the Pac 12 had, what was it, four of the Elite Eight teams last year, and UCLA eventually got into the Final Four. Arizona can carry a lot of water for the conference. 
If Arizona takes it all the way to the final, and if they win the final, Pac-12 hasn't won a Final Four since the 90s. The Big Ten hasn't won a hasn't won a national Simon baby. The Big Ten hasn't won a national <laughs> championship since '02 with Maryland. The Big Ten is Owen Dixon. The Big Ten is Owen six since in national championship games. Illinois lost in 05. Ohio State lost in 07. Michigan State lost in 09. Michigan in 13. Wisconsin in 15 to Duke, and then Michigan in 18. They got blown out by Villanova. At least you made six of them. So, look, the Big Ten <laughs> numerically. This has to be their year. The Pac-12, though, although they only get three teams in, and deservedly so, talk to me. Arizona could carry so yes. much weight for this conference if they win. The Pac-12 could get all that cachet back if the Wildcats carry the conference on their back. Wouldn't that be sweet if we the Pac-12 only got three teams into this whole thing, but you look up at the end and it's still Arizona makes it and maybe wins it all. Who who knows? And of course, they're not a Pac-12 team, but. Kind of adopt them as such. Gonzaga representing the West. Hey, we might not put a lot of teams in this thing, but they sure as hell go deep. If we want to be as optimistic optimistic as possible, all three of the Pac-12 teams are at least in different regions. None of them are going to beat up in each other. UCLA, the four seed in the East. USC, the seven seed in the Midwest. Arizona, the one seed in the South. And, of course, Zag Nation, the top seed in the West. Taking your calls, 503-417-7575. Vancouver is where we get our first call out the gate. Charlie's in Vancouver. Charlie, what's up? Charlie, how you doing? Thanks for calling in. Hey, awesome. It's our best day of the year, really, yes. I think. Um, anyway, Pac-12 got what it deserves. Big 12 got screwed, I think. Mm -hmm. SEC really got screwed. I think those are the two best teams or conferences in the country. I think Texas Tech will leave a stamp on it if Gonzaga doesn't make it out of there. It'll be Texas Tech, and I also think Houston got their number five seed because Kelvin Sampson is paying for his sins at the school he's coached at <laughs> and kind of left a mess with the NCAA, in my opinion, anyway. Um, I don't want Chet Holmgren. That's all I ask. Please don't give us a skinny little guy who can get bumped around in one of the weakest conferences in the country at times. If you watch the game and just don't look at the stats, he gets bumped around quite a bit in not a great, great conference, in my opinion. Anyway, thanks for doing this, guys. Love hearing from you, Charlie. There is a, a negative on Chet Holmgren coming to the Blazers. Peter Sampson, valid, given that uh, it's anecdotal, but he says if you watch the games, he gets pushed around a little bit against WCC teams. Why do you want a tall, thin, white guy in Portland? Yeah, because the skill is elite. Yeah, he needs to put on some weight. He does, but, I mean, you watch the way he moves. You watch the uh, the offensive skill set. The, uh, the, the ceiling is sky high for Chet Holmgren. I will say this. Evan Mobley wasn't thick. And he's like a defensive. He could be first team all defense as a rookie. Guys you could literally make a case for a defensive player. Of the guy's year, incredible. Yeah. And you look at some of the other recent bigs that have come out. They haven't been as huge. It's more about being able to switch on to players now in the yeah. NBA yeah. and just be that Patrick Ewing block in the paint. You even think about look. This is crazy. Giannis was very thin coming out. You have these NBA strength and conditioning programs that can do a damn good job with you. And I think Holgren, from everything I've seen, he's a hard worker. I'm confident in his abilities once he comes to the NBA. You pointed out earlier, wingspan is more important than straight up height. I think 100%. you could argue, right? 100%. Because of the switching perimeter, all, all that. You, you don't guard with your head. I think yeah. some of his calls, I think some of Trailblazers, <laughs> like 
I think some of Trailblazer fears may also be some. We've seen it happen. Before. Some Zach Collins <laughs> PTSD, is. but Collins was a four. He was not a five. He was maybe a five in small lineups, but he was someone who actually got pushed around and injury worries all over the place with him. But Peter, that pass that he made at Child Center. Oh man, you should have been there for it. <laughs> Behind the back for a three pointer, and we said right there, that's our guy. Thanks, those, Neil. Those are the words of Neil Olshay, and we have watched that game numerous times, and have yet to see that pass on film. Been looking for it. <laughs> oh man, you laugh because crying would be sad. I'm not saying he's a liar, but I've looked for that play. I can't find it. Can't find so it. <laughs> cannot find it. Oh, that's good stuff. But the Zags are the top seed in the West. Is Zach playing in San Antonio? Yeah, he yeah, just he came is. back a, about a month ago now, three weeks ago. I remember I showed you his first game back. It was his first game in like 550 days or something. And the jerseys they wore were quite suspect. I don't understand those jerseys. Oh, congrats to Pop, by the way. Winning his yeah. coach in the history of the league. They had a nice little celebration for him uh, on the court that lasted a Comfortable thirty seconds before he got pissed off. Speaking into the locker room. Speaking of historic coaches, do you think Izzo versus Coach K in the second round is on purpose from the NCAA? Because that's a sick matchup. In a word, yes, no doubt. The, the, the selection committee loves playing into narratives. Loves it. You know why? Eyeballs on TV. That's it. And who who were we talking to on the BFT? Was it uh, Eric Pritzbell? Who uh, is on is for on three sports yeah. now? Previously USA Today, so he comes on Fridays. Bald Face Truth with John Canzano that you can hear weekdays, three to six on the game, and then the Pulse with Peter Sampson six to seven. BT Dub, Prisbell comes on. He says he and his colleagues did a little bit of a investigative work on NCAA head man Mark Emmer and the decision that Emmer made to extend the TV deal with CBS and to Turner. Like, to like 2032, which is another decade. Another decade to extend the deal rather than take the product that is March Madness to the free agent market. And Prisbell and his uh, fellows were like, how much money did Emmert leave on the table, do we think, with this by just extending and not hitting the market? He said $9 billion. He, billion with a, that's a B. B. He didn't say up to nine billion. He didn't stutter. He didn't hesitate. He said nine billion dollars. Nine billion dollars that Mark Emmert left on the table. So why do I say that? Only because you see that number and that number is getting out in public. You know you missed a tournament basically in 2020. You did, Mr. Last year. Is still kind of depressed ratings. You had Friday through Monday instead of the typical Thursday through Sunday. It was all in one state, the greater Indianapolis area. So now, if you're the NCAA and Turner and CBS, you have to capitalize on lost time. And apparently, lost revenue. And so you have to put your best matchups for eyeballs on the TV right now. So if you see Michigan State and you see Duke and you see an opportunity to put Tom Izzo against Coach K in what could be Coach K's last game, you do it. And I ain't mad at you. So that 7-2 in the second round in the West could be a lot of fun. Michigan State and Duke, sign me up. Watch watch Duke lose to Fullerton. <laughs> that would be a great. Are you a, oh, that would be great. I don't know if fan is the right word. Are you an admirer of Coach K? Because um, I think a lot of people that's were, probably well put. I'm a lot a, of people yeah. were happy to see him lose to UNC. I think me amongst them. 
a lot of people hate watch his team. A lot of people don't necessarily like his personality. I respect Coach K, but I wouldn't mind seeing him lose in the first round. I would love seeing him lose in the first round. I don't hate him, obviously. I, I'm the same way. I respect him, but I'm not a fan of Coach K in terms of never been a Duke fan. The evil Empire. I was going to say, cheering for Duke is like cheering for the Patriots or the, the Warriors Yankees. in their heyday. Exactly. My best friend is a Boston guy, but he loves Duke, and he loves uh, the Patriots, and he loves the Red Sox, which uh, you said Yankees, but, you know, kind of chicken or egg. At with, least the Red Sox went a long time without one, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, he he loves Duke, and I still, I don't get how you can root for Duke. If you're a Duke fan, explain to me how you become a Duke fan if you didn't go there, because that's kind of garbage. How do you root for a team that used to have Carlos Boozer? I don't get it. Chris Duhon. I hated Chris Duhon back in the day. Uh, you know, sports hate. I hate, I sports hated sports Chris Duhon back in the day. You know who I loved? Mateen Cleaves, Morris Peterson. Those Michigan State teams. Those were my teams. 2000 NCAA tournament. Those were my teams. And uh, they had some good battles with Duke. Hopefully we get Michigan State Duke in the second round. All right, yes, we will go away. We'll come back. More bracket reaction. More of your calls at 503-417-7575. The Selection Sunday special. Back in a moment on 750 The Game. Back to 750 The Game's Selection Sunday special. On your exclusive home of March Madness from Westwood One. 750 The Game. Well, I said uh, OMG out loud like 30 times in the commercial break, and I will tell you why here in a moment. How do I, how do I set this up? There's breaking news, uh, by the way, that I'm about to share with everybody. And a couple months ago, maybe was six weeks ago or so, I was driving around listening to uh, Saturday afternoons here on 750 The Game. And listening to my guy Peter Sampson on the Pulse, which back then, all the way back then, was on Saturdays. Good old days. Good old days, 12 to 2. Hell of a show. I I kid you not, I'm driving around uh, picking up stuff for Facebook Marketplace because, you know, hashtag Saturday. Tuning in to Sampson. Sampson says, breaking news, Tom Brady is retiring from the NFL after 22 seasons. I was like, Wow. I call in, Samson and I talk about it. Samson does basically carries a show talking about Tom Brady's retirement. Ten minutes ago, at Tom Brady on Twitter, quote, these past two months I've realized my place is still on the field and not in the stands. That time will come, but it's not now. I love my teammates. And I love my supportive family. They make it all possible. I'm coming back for my 23rd season in Tampa. Unfinished business. LFG. I kid you not, Portland. I kid you not. He literally just tweeted that. It is his account. It is verified. It's his check mark. Tom Brady is unretiring and coming back for a 23rd season of professional football with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers LFG. I'm shocked and stunned. Maybe I shouldn't be, but amazing. First off, 
really happy I created a core memory for Peter and Judah. I was the one to break the news to both of you. You did. Thank I, you I, came right. I was I ran back. eating I, my Chipotle. I, I was out of breath. I ran back. I read the Tom Brady tweet that Judah just read over the airwaves. Tom Brady can win the current NFC South when he's 55, let alone 45. <laughs> None of the teams there have a quarterback. We'll see what the Saints do. They're seeing, you know, maybe rumors of Deshaun Watson. But I'm very happy. I am excited to see Tom Brady come back. He was still one of the top five quarterbacks in the league last year. It's not like he's noodle arm Peyton Manning in his last season. This is Tom Brady who crushed it last season. Touchdowns galore. Yards galore. Was healthy for the entire season, too. That was important. Guy took two months away from football and said, F this. I cannot do this. Giselle, I'm sorry. Took two months to you and the kids. Went to the soccer games over in England. It's time to play the real football. NFL, here I come. I did see that. He was a guest of the Glazer family. at Was it a Man U game yesterday? Yeah, Manchester United versus Tottenham. Ronaldo scored a hat trick. So, of course, you got the Glazer connection there. They own the Buccaneers. And, Adam, you were saying that there's video that Brady was talking to Ronaldo after the yeah, match. Yeah, so you'll probably see it on Twitter. It'll be uh, circulating today. But Tom Brady was talking to Cristiano Ronaldo, who is 37. He's probably nearing retirement. All the comments, two goats, whatever, whatever. But Ronaldo asked him a question. You can read the mouth. Ronaldo says, you're done, right? And Brady goes, <laughs> he doesn't say no, but he kind of like winces and like grinds his teeth together as to kind of signify probably not. Samson, you were hosting that day that he retired the first time. How surprised are you now? <sighs> I'm stunned, man. I thought that was it. And the thing is, is like, so yeah, that division is bad. Brady, he is, he is the GOAT. You know, I don't want to recognize him. My heart always says Joe Montana because that was the dude growing up. Not that I rooted for uh, for Montana. But look, he looked pretty ordinary against the Rams. I mean, yeah, they could do well in that division. But, I mean, I'm certainly, it sounds crazy. I always said I'd never bet against Brady again. But I'm betting against Brady. But I hope he, I hope he does what makes him happy. The NFC is three times easier than the AFC, I will say that. So I think that's in Brady's corner right now, the division they can win with him being mediocre again. So just getting Brady in the playoffs one last time, man, I don't know. I might I might have to see if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers schedule. I've never seen Brady in person. I don't know if you guys have, but it would be cool to check out one of his games. I did. I did get to go to Foxborough a few years ago for Seahawks-Pats on Sunday Night Football, and uh, the Seahawks won a crazy game. Came down to the very last play. Needless to say, it feels good to beat the Patriots on the last play of the game because, uh, you know, we've lost to him on one of those before It's Super Bowl Forty Nine. Brady coming back. What does Tom Brady have against Selection Sunday? I don't know, but this is our Selection Sunday special, but we got to mention that news. And if you've got a Tom Brady take, fire away. 7.50 the game on Twitter, 503-417-7575. But if you haven't heard it, Tom Brady's tweeted out. He is unretiring. He is coming back for a 23rd season in the NFL as the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Unbelievable. 20, I think it was, was it 2020 or 2021, Aaron Rodgers, like 15 minutes before the NFL draft starts, says, I want out of Green Bay. That wasn't really him. That was yeah, Schefter. And, the, and then that kind of broke the day. Tom Brady, 15 minutes after Selection Sunday, saying, I'm coming back to Tampa. I mean, they're totally different sports. <laughs> March Madness is still going to reign supreme. People yep. are going to revamp this Tom Brady love or hatred once the NFL preseason comes around. But, man, I'm excited. Man, that's just incredible. All right, so we'll be talking about that all day tomorrow as well, right here on 750 The Game. Hey, you're home of Portland's best sports talk. Say that loudly and proudly. Dan Patrick, 6 to 9, Romy, 9 to noon. 
Maggie and Perloff noon to three. John Cazano, three to six. Peter Sampson, six to seven in the polls. One place to be tomorrow to talk all NCAA. Oh, and BT Dub, Tom Brady's back. Can I just say, by the way, I it just dawned on me. I saw the news earlier today that Brady's last touchdown ball just sold for oh. more than half a million dollars <laughs> like oh. this morning. Can you, you get a refund? SOB. You probably should have waited until September to buy that. <laughs> half a mil? Oh, that's so great. If that money finds its way back to Brady's pocket, that would make it even funnier and a little shady. But that is still hilarious. And you know what? I'm sure he's sticking it to the media with this, too. Yeah. Because wasn't it Schefter who had the news and probably Don Yee, Brady's agent, mm-hmm. told Shefty. By the way, tough couple days for Shefty. Ah, yes, he breaks great news. But outside of that, I cannot really respect the guy. Yeah. I think we know he's just a, an agent outlet at this point. That was messy. Um, but yeah, Brady just sticking it to the media and boy, I do wonder about Giselle. Is she actually for this or not? Cause, uh, she can't be, she can't be thrilled. She might have been like, <laughs> she's like, Tom, if you really want to, you can have one more year. That's all Tom needed. So Look, Ju- Judah, we go into San Francisco or Arizona to see Tom Brady play. Oh, let's go to, uh, let's go to Arizona. I'd rather go there. That'd be fun. Tom Brady versus childhood team. The 49ers is pretty fun though. Oh, that's true. That's in San Francisco. And, and people yeah. were saying if he was going to come back, maybe it would have been the 49ers. But mm-hmm. I think we saw how how strong Bruce Arians was saying, if Brady came back, give us four first-rounders. Like Ooh. He was like, if Brady's coming back, he's staying with us. And all things showing that tweet seems like he's staying with Tampa. I'm telling you right now, as a grizzled middle-aged guy, Giselle is all for this. They had 39 to get days together, and she uh, got sick of them. Just like everyone in COVID, <laughs> husband's working from home. Man, I need a break. She's like, maybe you play one more season. Please. First please. of all, hell of an accent. Second of <laughs> all, you turn the tables on it. Most people would say, oh, maybe Brady's getting tired of the home life. You no. say, no, Giselle no, needs her him. old man out of the house. Exactly. And ASAP. And uh, Brady's like, happy to oblige, sweetheart. Tampa, what's up? Amazing. ESPN just interviewing Ed Cooley, the Providence head coach. Won the Big East regular season. <laughs> Big side panel. Tom Brady coming out of retirement. Exactly. <laughs> this is uh, at Selection Sunday's dismay, but Tom Brady coming back for year 23. Crazy. We'll all remember where we were when we heard the news. Just wild. All right, we'll go away. We'll come back. A couple segments to go. We got you until 5 o'clock. Uh, I got to update some of the clocks in here, too, because I'm seeing 3.30 staring at me right now. It is 4.30. I got to make sure I got that right. We got another half hour to go. We'll rip through the uh, bracket. How about a couple upset picks, Adam? Let's do it. Peter, let's look at the bracket a little bit. Let's see a couple of first-round double-digit upsets. See if we can't, uh, that one that we got our eyes on. We'll also give some of our Portland thoughts and our final four picks later in the show. Half hour to go. Selection Sunday special coming right back on 750 The Game. Back to Selection Sunday, presented by Chinook Winds Casino Resort in Lincoln City on 750 The Game. I know we don't get Gus Johnson on March Madness calls anymore because he belongs to Fox and not CBS. But if there was one announcer that just fit one sport, one event, I think it's Gus Johnson with March Madness. I mean, this guy, uh, 
There was nobody like him. And uh, I've got a bunch of stuff in my audio folder that whenever I need to get in the mood for March Madness, I find some of this stuff in my folder. Crawford again. Oh, another big time jam. Or this. Clemente again. Or this. Batista with the catch. Oh, Gus Johnson on March Madness called nothing like it. Now, we don't get him, but we still get a lot of good action across CBS and the Turner Networks. But my goodness, fellas, now that the uh, the bracket's out, that we just got the bombshell that Tom Brady is coming back for a 23rd NFL season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He just needed two months in retirement to say this don't fit, don't feel right. I need to be back on the field. So his final game is no longer a loss to Peter Sampson's Rams, the future Super Bowl champions at the time. He's going to be coming back. Adam, you mentioned a couple of road games out west against the Cardinals and against the 49ers that Sussman is definitely going to be shelling out some money to go see. I'm going to hold you to that. I'll be disappointed if you don't, <laughs> especially the 49ers one since that's his hometown team. I'll get credentials. I'll try my best. There you go. Side door. Love it. Um, and Tom Brady coming back to play pro football for another year is, is crazy. But, of course, he's still talented, still has the physical skill enough to do it. Not quite like uh, 2016 season of Peyton Manning. He he finished at the right time in 2015 uh, after winning it all in Denver. And, look, let's be honest. One of Brady's top nemesis is, is in the NFC, Russell Wilson. He's gone. You have to worry about Russell Wilson anymore in the NFC. Not that anybody was, yeah, but I just had, I, I just, had, a, I, just had, <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. Once Wilson's gone, Brady's like, you know what? The NFC is winnable again. I'll come back for 23rd year. That's pretty crazy. But at least he let us have the bracket reveal in the first couple of hours. And then he dropped the news on Twitter after that. But getting back to the bracket, and by the way, you can go to 750thegame.com and it's right there front and center for you. Enter our bracket challenge. Enter a perfect bracket for a chance to win $1 million. Change your life. Change your life with a perfect bracket, which is super attainable. It's it's probable that you'll fill out a perfect bracket. You just need enough of them. I, be, I believe in you, and you can do it. All right, Adam, Peter, let's help the people out with the perfect bracket, with a chance to win $1 million. We know an upset's going to happen somewhere. Let's dish on one of the upset specials you think could happen that people may find on an Adam or Peter bracket. So while number 13 seeds historically in the entirety of March Madness beat the number for 21.5% of the time, and I think South Dakota State beats number four Providence. If you subscribe to Ken Palm, compiles all the numbers, and while this doesn't sound like a material stat, Providence was the number one team in the nation in luck means that the teams they play underperform to their averages. So Providence won the Big East for the first time ever. That seems like the high point of their season. They got crushed in the Big East tournament. Their confidence is low. South Dakota State cruised through the Summit League. They won 18-0 in the regular season in the Summit League. 30-4 and overall. They're rocking a 21-game win streak. Literally the best three-point shooting team in the country in terms of percentage. And they're a good free-throw shooting team as well. They have a forward named Douglas Wilson. Keep an eye out for him. He dominates the front line in the tournament, the three games. 
He had 21 and 11 rebounds, 21, 8 rebounds, 22 and 7 rebounds. He is consistently going to put up, if they get to the Sweet 16, he's going to put up a double-double. I like South Dakota State a lot over Providence. I think they, you said it, Judah, you always see these North Dakota States, these South Dakota States, they just blitz you in the first round when it comes to shooting. They always have some, you know, six foot six white guy on the perimeter who just stands there and knocks down threes over and over again. <laughs> South Dakota State, they shoot the ball damn well. Providence is playing poorly right now. I think that's a 13 over four that I'm going to take. Talking to me into that, South Dakota State, 45% three-point percentage. Whew, that is cooking. Uh, and Bailey Shearman, 6'6 guard. He's the only player in Division One to lead his league both in rebounds and assists. So how about that? In addition to the other uh, scorer that you mentioned, Shearman, he rebounds and assists best in the Summit League. So South Dakota State, who, by the way, riding a 21-game win streak. You like them to upset the four-seed Providence, much to Chris Dunn's chagrin. Samson, how do you see it? Any, any upsets you got your eye on? I'm still working my way through it, yeah. uh, but believe it or not, I like Gonzaga to go down to Arkansas mm. in the Sweet 16. I think Arkansas at a four is still underrated. I actually like them to advance pretty far. Uh, of course, we are going to see Chet. We are going to see Gonzaga do Gonzaga things, but I think you are going to see them go down. Arkansas, Duke in the Elite Eight are going to face each other. I think my favorite second-round matchup, let's say it goes chalk, is yeah. UConn versus Arkansas. UConn is very different. I like They play a different play style than Arkansas, obviously different conference. It's going to be really fun to see. UConn blocks shots rather than anybody in the entire country. They're a low-scoring team, but they keep teams to low scores. In the Big East final, they lost 63-60. They don't foul a lot either, which I'd like in March. Uh, very, very fluid on offense. They don't move too fast. They're a slow-paced team. They face great defenses in the Big East. And they didn't have worse than a quad two loss. They went 8-3 and three in quad two, and then undefeated in quad three and four. So UConn versus Arkansas is a 5-4 is a matchup I'm really looking forward to. I'm trying to find my notes on one of the ones that I really like. Um, yes, okay, I found it. Ready, for, ready to get shocked? Let's hear it. And I don't mean Wichita State. <laughs> Murray State. I think beats Kentucky in the second round. Woo! You're welcome. Hot! You're hot! You're welcome! Fill it out. Hashtag Murray State. A little bit about mm. these guys. A little bit about them. Jaw went there, so of course, gotta like them. 30 and 2 overall. Okay, yeah. It's the Ohio Valley. They beat Moorhead State 71 67 to win the Ohio Valley title game. They got this guy, K.J. Williams, mm -hmm. 6'10", 245, averages over 18 points, almost nine rebounds a game. These guys haven't lost since Christmas. And K.J. Williams, three of his last four, has had 23, 27, and 30. He's hot. He's hot. He is hot. They also have the uh, tournament MVP of the Ohio Valley Tournament, Justice Hill, six-foot guard, dagger from the outside, sophomore. Tevin Brown had 23 points in the Ohio Valley Championship game. Head coach Matt McMahon. Matt McMahon. Um, typically, you would say, oh, Murray State. You know, if you've got a good coach there, he's probably going to go after three or four years because some other Power Five wants him. Matt McMahon's in his seventh season yeah. at Murray State. He's cultivated something here. 
This is his third time taking the racers to the NCAA tournament. Next year, Murray State is moving conferences. They're going to the Missouri Valley, which is an upgrade from the Ohio Valley. Bracketology kind of had them like a eightest seed, and then they got on a roll. They were ranked in the AP poll, right? This is not this is not a joke. Like they were number twenty-two in the AP poll last week. They are a very very good team. They are the first team in Ohio Valley history to go eighteen and zero in conference play, and they are the first undefeated regular season Ohio Valley team since uh, campaign led Murray State. Cameron Payne of the uh, Phoenix Suns, no. Led them to an undefeated year in 14 and 15. So, people uh, won't be taking them. But there are upsets that you just don't see coming. I'm trying to help the people out and give you one early. Fade Kentucky. Play Murray State. Murray State to the Sweet 16. You're welcome. Oh, by the way, that's a... that's a state of Kentucky battle, right? Murray State's in Kentucky. That would be big. big that's re- huge. Big recruiting win right there. But yeah. <laughs> for Murray State, I I agree with you. They're a very prolific offense. They averaged 78 points per game, but just raw numbers is 17th in the nation. Also at the Murray State, they don't shoot free throws great, which can worry you at the end of the game if it's close in a pressure cooker environment against Kentucky. But, man, they are prolific on offense. And one thing that I would love to see Let's say your prediction comes true where they beat Kentucky and they face number three, Purdue. Purdue is the number one offense in the country. You could have a 100 to 95 game between Purdue and Murray State. That's something I would love to see. But, man, they're fun. The only thing that worries me about Murray State, everyone and their mothers is going to be picking them over a San Francisco. What if San Francisco just does the WCC proud and beats them? Could happen. It's true. It, it could happen. But I'm going to go ahead and ride the racers anyway. All right. One more segment to go. We'll go away. We'll come back. We'll give our initial final four picks and these uh, these West Coast teams. How far do we see UCLA going? How far do we see Zona going? Gonzaga going? USC? Um, San Francisco? Uh, BYU did not quite make it. Santa Clara did not quite make it. Other teams that were kind of on the bubble. Uh, They didn't make it in, but uh, who are some of the others in the Western region that we think will go far in the tournament field? One more segment to go, and uh, Tom Brady's back. So there you go if you missed that news earlier. (laughs) More Selection Sunday coming up on 750 The Game. We're your home for the madness. Gonzaga! The slipper still fits! This is Selection Sunday on 750 The Game. Your exclusive home of the NCAA tournament from Westwood One. All right, here we go. Final segment. Thanks for listening to the past three hours on your Daylight Saving Sunday. Good stuff. Judah Newby, Adam Sussman, Peter Sampson with you. Final segment, so let's rip through the full field of 68. Tom Brady also coming back to play pro football for a 23rd year. That's crazy. He announced that on social media uh, a couple minutes ago. All right, starting in the West region, the top seed in the West, the top seed in the tournament, the Gonzaga Bulldogs coming to Moda Center as the one seed. They face 16 seed Georgia State, the eight seed Boise State, tournament champions out of the Mountain West. They will take on Penny Hardaway and nine seed Memphis at Moda Center on Thursday. Five seed in the West, UConn. They will take on 12 seed New Mexico State, champions of the WAC. Eric Musselman in Arkansas get a four line in the West. They will take on America East champion 13 seed Vermont. Nate Oates in Alabama get on the six line. They will take on the 11 seed play-in winner Rutgers in Notre Dame. 
Three seed, Texas Tech. They will take on Big Sky champion Montana State in the 14-3 game. Tom Izzo leads Michigan State to a seven seed. They will take on 10 seed Davidson. Coach K, the two seed Duke in the West, takes on Big West champion 15 seed Cal State Fullerton in the first round. Could set up Coach K versus Tom Izzo in a second round matchup. Duke and Sparty could be Coach K's last game. In the South region, Arizona is the one seed. They will take on 16 seed play-in winner Wright State or Bryant. Seton Hall, the eight seed, they will face nine seed TCU. Five seed is Kelvin Sampson in Houston, fresh off a of Final Four from last year and winners of the American Conference. They get the five seed. They will take on 12 seed UAB. The four seed is Brad Underwood's Illinois squad. They will take on 13 seed UT Chattanooga. Six seed Colorado State will face Juwan Howard's 11 seeded Michigan Wolverines. Rick Barnes in Tennessee are a three seed. They will face Longwood, the 14 seed in the South. The first ever tournament appearance for Longwood. Jerome Kersey's alma mater is going dancing. Ohio State gets the seven seed. They will take on 10 seed Loyola, Chicago. Two seed Jay Wright, Villanova. Big East tournament champions Colin Gillespie and company taking on. The Blue Hens of Delaware in the 2-15 game. Delaware led by Jameer Nelson Jr. In the Midwest, Bill Self in Kansas, the top seed. They will face the 16-seed play-in winner, Texas Southern and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Eight-seed is San Diego State. They will face nine-seed Creighton, runners-up in the Big East tournament. Five-seed goes to Big Ten tournament champion, Iowa, and they will take on the 12-seed Richmond Spiders. Richmond upsetting Davidson this morning to win their conference tournament and the automatic qualifier. The four seed is Providence. They will take on 13 seed South Dakota State. Adam Sussman already picking South Dakota State in that 4-13 upset there. No longer Will Wade led LSU. LSU is the sixth seed. They fired Will Wade this morning. They will take on 11 seed Iowa State. The three seed in the Midwest, Wisconsin. They will take on 14-seed Patriot League champion Colgate, Andy Enfield, and USC, Isaiah Mobley and company. They are the seventh seed in the Midwest. They will take on 10-seed Miami. Bruce Pearl and Auburn are the two-seed in the Midwest. They will take on 15-seed Jacksonville State. All right, final region is the East. Baylor, the reigning national champions, the defending champions. They are the one-seed in the East. They will take on 16-seed Norfolk State. North Carolina gets the eight seed. They will take on nine seed Marquette. St. Mary's gets the five line in the East. They will take on the 12 seed play-in winner, Wyoming or Indiana. Either of those teams pose a decent threat to St. Mary's. And by the way, that game being played at Moda Center. UCLA also coming to Moda Center. They are a four seed out of the East region. They will face 13 seed Akron. Texas, Chris Beard and company, they get a sixth seed in the East. They will take on 11-seed ACC tournament champion Virginia Tech. Purdue out of the Big Ten, the three-seed in the East. They take on Ivy League champion Yale in a 3-14 game. My Murray State Racers, the seventh seed in the East. They take on 10-seed San Francisco, the USF Dons, in a 7-10 game. And then Coach Cal and two-seed Kentucky take on... 15 seed St. Peter's. Love that. St. Peter's making the NCAA tournament. And there is your field of 68. All right. We've talked a little 512. We've talked a little 413. We've talked a little upset specials. 
How does it all break down? Let, let's rip it, huh? Peter, Adam, let's rip it. Final four picks. We don't hold them to you. I will expect that you tweet them out by Thursday. You have to tweet these out by Thursday. I'll tweet them out by Thursday. I will say about this tournament, there is so much. There's a lot of teams obviously playing with just house money. Baylor has no pressure. All the lower seeds have no pressure. But there's a lot of prove it in this year's tournament. Texas has been 0-3. They lost, I think, a 3-14 matchup last year. Their former coach, Shaka Smart with Marquette, hasn't won a tournament game since he was at VCU. They're playing in an 8-9 with North Carolina. North Carolina got embarrassed by Wisconsin in the first round last year. Let's talk about Wisconsin. In the 3-14, honestly, this is Wisconsin's best chance to win a national championship since 2015. Johnny Davis is leaving after this year. You're not going to get those players very often. There are so many teams across the board that it's, look, now or never. Gonzaga, they're... They're not going to get a Chet Holgren again. They're going to get another top recruits, but they're not going to get a bona fide number one pick again. So there are so many prove-it teams in this year's competition. I mean, none the least, Duke. Duke's been poor recently, and they're still number two seed. I thought teams like Texas Tech, Tennessee, Purdue, maybe even Houston deserved a two over them, but they got the two. They might face Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. So there is a lot of teams in this that say, look, we've given you the leeway in the past. This is your last chance. Auburn made a Final Four, look, three, four years ago. They need to come back and try to take it. So I'm tremendously excited for this tournament. I think it's going to be one of the best in the last four or five years just because there's no bona fide number one. There's going to be 13 to 18 teams that are really capable of winning it. What do you think, Samson? Man, I don't really know what to expect. I'm looking for a lot of upsets. I don't... I, I got to look at it longer. Again, I, I like Arkansas to take out Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. I'm excited it's coming to Portland. Mostly, I always approach this uh, sort of from the angle. I'm looking for guys that are going to star at the next level. I'm looking for guys that are going to star in Moda Center. Uh, so it's always tough for me to predict uh, some of these uh, games before I've ha- had a, a day or two to sort of let it marinate. You know what I mean? But some of these matchups are really interesting. I mean, wouldn't it be something if, if I mean, everything would have to go really according to seeding, but wouldn't it be something to see a Duke-Kentucky uh, Final Four in Coach K's last year? <laughs> 30 years after Christian Leitner hit the shot against Kentucky, wouldn't that be something? That would be pretty cool. I thought Kentucky honestly deserved the one seed over Baylor. Yeah. Baylor didn't do too hot at the end of the season, but... If you're asking me a very early Final Four, I'd probably uh, tweak it a little bit by Thursday due to when I tweeted out my Final Four. UConn, Tennessee. hell's the matter with you? Purdue. (laughs) People give out these Final Fours. We saw on ESPN afterward, that's like Arizona, Auburn. They get... I like Purdue. Ivy's going to go nuts. They get get like a little cheeky and put like a three... Every year, it's like a seven, a 12, a three, and a one. Like we... we always... I, I know, I should say that, just because it is madness. We always think it's going to be like two ones, a three, and a five. Well, and, just wait for my final four. And then every year, it's like a seven, a 12, a 13, and a, and a six. Like, it's always insane. We were talking about before we came on air, Judah, when Kentucky and UConn met in a 7-8 national championship. It happens all the time. So you had UConn, you had Purdue. Who else? I will take uh, UConn, Purdue, Tennessee... And Wisconsin. 
Okay, I'm writing these down. <laughs> I might uh, change it. No, I, I don't know. Follow at Adam Sussman for uh, the f- official Final Four picks before Thursday. What about you, Peter? Uh, I, uh, in the East and West, uh, I like Kentucky. I don't think they get upset by Murray State. I got them in the Final Four. I've got Arkansas in the Final Four. I'm still looking at the uh, the South and the Midwest there. I uh, I don't know, man. I guess if I'm forced to say something on the air because it's the end of the show, I'm just going to say Arizona-Auburn, but I'm not confident. That will change by Thursday. It's okay. It's all right. You know, I expect you to give yours on Tuesday's Pulse, probably. There you go. You know, Pulse, by the way, six to seven weekdays here on the game. I'll take Gonzaga. I'll take UCLA. You're welcome, West. (laughs) (laughs) I will take Kansas and Arizona. West Coast bias, baby. I believe. I mean, the first games that are being played, too, are great. Can't wait for March Madness. Wyoming, Indiana, awesome game. Rutgers, Notre Dame, great as well. Both of those 11s and 12s have a chance of winning. 750thegame.com for more information and your chance to win a mill with a perfect bracket. For Peter Sampson, for Adam Sussman, I'm Judah Newby. Hell, for Tom Brady. <laughs> this has been Selection Sunday on 750thegame. Dan Patrick, 6-9 to nine tomorrow, followed by Romy, Maggie, and Perloff. John Cazano's BFT. And by the way, he just tweeted out some of the guests that he's going to have on this week. Uh, let's just say you'll want to be here for it. He is going to have Bill Walton on the show this week. He's going to have Gonzaga legend Dan Dickow on the show this week. UCLA Athletic Director Martin Jarmond, who is in the selection room, He's on the show this week. Jerry Palm from CBS, bracket expert. He's on the show this week. And Bill Shonley, who just announced his retirement after over 50 years with the Blazers. Bill Shonley will be on the show this week. Don't go anywhere. you, you got to have it. Three to six. And then Peter Sampson in the pulse, six to seven. Right here on your home of March Madness from Westwood One, 750 The Game. Thanks to our presenting sponsor, Chinook Winds Casino Resort in Lincoln City, where sports wagering is better at the beach and power rents as well. I'm Judah Newby. Talk to you all week long here on The Game.